0: Thank you for joining today's podcast. If God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also,
1: don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.
2: Romans 10 verse 8. And this is the word of faith that we preach, that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For it is by believing in your heart that you're made right with God and by declaration with your mouth that you're saved. As the scriptures tell us, anyone who trusts in him will never be disappointed or disgraced. Jew and Gentile are the same in this respect. They have the same Lord who gives generously to all who call on him. For everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. But how can they call on him to save them unless they believe in him? And how can they believe in him if they've never heard about him? And how can they hear about him unless someone tells them? And how will anyone go and tell them without being sent? That is why the scriptures say, How beautiful are the feet of those who bring good news. But not everyone welcomes the gospel. For Isaiah the prophet said, Lord, who has believed our message? But faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the word of God. Then over to chapter 15. Paul that led the known world to Christ in half a lifetime tells how he did it. Verse 16 I am a special messenger from Christ Jesus to you Gentiles I brought you the gospel so that I might present you as an acceptable offering to God made holy by the Holy Spirit so I have reason to be enthusiastic about all Christ Jesus has done through me in my service to God. I dare not boast about anything except what Christ has done through me bringing the Gentiles or the heathen to God how did he bring them? by my message, and by the way that I worked among them. How did he work among them? They were convinced by the power of the miraculous signs and wonders and by the power of God's Spirit. In this way have I fully preached the gospel of Jesus Christ from Jerusalem to Illyricum. So Paul actually taught it as a doctrine that you have not fully preached the gospel until there's been a demonstration of the power of God that comes behind the preaching of the gospel. Uh, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Amen. 1 Corinthians 1.18. But the message of the cross is foolish. I'll give you a second to turn there. A little, a little over to the right. 1 Corinthians 1.18. The message of the cross is foolish to those who are headed for destruction. But we who are being saved know that it is the very power of God. So the word itself carries power. As the scriptures say, I will destroy the wisdom of the wise and discard the intelligence of the intelligent. So where does this leave the philosophers, the scholars, and the world's brilliant debaters? God has made the wisdom of this world look foolish since God in his wisdom saw to it that the world would never know him through human wisdom. He has used our foolish preaching to save those who believe or the foolishness of preaching. It is foolish to the Jews who ask for a sign from heaven And foolish to the Greeks who seek human wisdom. So when we preach that Christ was crucified, the Jews are offended and the Gentiles say that's nonsense. But to those called by God the salvation, both Jews and Gentiles, Christ is the power of God and the wisdom of God. The foolish plan of God, this foolish plan of God is wiser than the wisest of human plans. And God's weakness is stronger than the greatest of human strength. Now here it is. Remember, dear brothers... That few of you were wise in the world's eyes or powerful or wealthy when God called you. Instead, God chose things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they're wise. And he chose things that are powerless, that are powerless to shame those who are powerful. God chose things despised by the world, things counted as nothing at all, and used them to bring to nothing what the world considers important. As a result, no man can ever glory in the presence of God, or no man can ever boast in the presence of God God has united you with Christ Jesus everybody say united with Christ Jesus Jesus. so he's not running after you you're not running after him he lives in your heart and the Bible says he that's joined to the Lord has become one spirit with him about five chapters later in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 everybody say "United united with Christ for our benefit God made him to be wisdom itself Christ made us right with God when he made us pure and holy everybody say I'm pure and holy That's right, if you're saved, you're not trying to be holy. The Bible says you've been purified and made holy. And so that's your identity. It's not we're all sinners and we're trying to live better. It's the blood of Jesus has cleansed us of all unrighteousness. Christ made us right with God. He made us pure and holy, and he freed us from sin. Everybody say, I'm free from sin. Therefore, as the scriptures say, if you want to boast, boast only in the Lord. Chapter 2, verse 1. When I first came to you, dear brothers and sisters... I didn't use lofty words and impressive wisdom to tell you God's secret plan. For I decided that while I was with you, I would forget everything except Jesus Christ, the one who was crucified. I came to you in weakness, timid and trembling, and my message and my preaching were very plain. Rather than using clever and persuasive speeches, I relied only on the power of the Holy Spirit. I did this so that you would not trust in human wisdom but so that you would trust in the power of God. So there's two places where Paul said where his secret was that he would preach the gospel of Jesus Christ and tell that simple message. And that message carries power. Of course, Paul's the one that wrote in Romans 1.16, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ, for it, the word preached, is the power of God unto salvation. And then he said behind that, uh, I would then work off of that word. And they were convinced by the miracles and signs and wonders that were done through me. So there you have the explosive ingredients for anybody that's in the ministry. Your ministry of the word and then believing and consecrating yourself and studying and doing all the things necessary to then have a move of God's spirit come behind when you preach the gospel. And so that's the recipe that works in every nation. For whatever reason today, I was, re- I was just watching stuff going on around the world. It's, it's pretty easy when you're in Alaska You can see uh, everything. I mean, they were having a night service in Uganda for tonight when I was driving over here in the morning. So I was watching a big crusade in Uganda and watching the preaching there and then the power of God come behind it. That guy's preaching the same thing as me. We got nothing in common. He didn't own, own shoes till he was 18. He's 77. I'm 38. We couldn't have any less in common. But other than his accent and my accent, if you close your eyes and you could put our voices the same we preach the same thing—that Jesus came and broke the power of the devil. And when you call on Him, he'll, He's not going to set you free in heaven. He'll set you free now. And then a wave of power comes out, came behind the preaching and started to touch that stadium in Uganda. Uganda is in a national revival. There's actually another man preaching there named Robert Kyanja. Everybody say the anointing. the anointing is what breaks the yoke. Say and lifts the heavy burden. Isaiah 10, 27, it's the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage and lifts the heavy burden. And so uh, this man, Robert Kyanja. there was another man that was supposed to interpret for T.L. Osborne when he came to Uganda. Remember, Uganda had a dictator, Idi Amin, nobody was allowed to preach. And then Daisy Osborne met with Idi Amin, he gave him permission, God touched Idi Amin, he opened the, the, the country so they could preach. And uh, T.L. Osborne, they fixed him up with this interpreter, but T.L. Osborne was anointed. So they thought, this is your interpreter. And he looked at the interpreter. And then he looked at 19-year-old Robert Kayanja, and said, I'm going I'm to have him interpret instead. Which ticked, you know, ticked everybody off, especially if you understand African church, where it's like you know, your elders and, and the younger people. But he picks him and then has him interpret for him that night, then has him interpret for him the next night. And uh, when he finishes the crusade, so if you see on the video, this is where I got the idea from. T.L. Osborne took the entire bottle of anointing oil, and they had a big jug because it was a crusade, and poured the whole thing over Robert Kyanja's head and then consecrated him into the ministry. Well, now, fast forward 40 years or whatever, uh, maybe even, yeah, he's about mid-50s. Robert Kyanja has a church called Miracle Center. It seats between eight or 10,000 in the capital, Kampala, Uganda, and he did 77 Days of Glory, and uh, where they did 77 straight nights of meetings. And this is in the city. You know, if you, you go to Kampala, Uganda, it's, it's more metropolitan than Anchorage. They, they have everything all kinds of global stores, people, major traffic to work. So it's not like it, you're not talking about 1880s Africa where everybody, people are living in huts and they're happy to come to a meeting. People have to get up early for work, all that stuff. And so he does, the Lord speaks to him, do 77 straight, straight nights. And he bought a television station in Uganda, Channel 44. So they put it on live. For the people that weren't there. Well they do the first 77 days. They have all kinds of miracles. They actually ended up with two piles. One of wheelchairs, walkers and canes. And then braces and stuff. And then on the other side of the uh, of the altar. They had a pile of imam. Uh, the Muslim leaders. Like a Muslim pastor. The Muslim leader that runs the synagogue. When they would get saved. They would take off their Muslim garb. And lay it in a pile. So they got a pile of people that have been freed from sickness and disease. And then a pile of former uh, uh, Muslim leaders that have now given their life to Jesus Christ. Well, when he finishes the 77 days, they would start at 8 p.m., which is pretty normal. If you preach in a city, you know, if you preach in New York City, that would be about when you'd have to start. Or Toronto, we start the meetings at 8. Montreal, 7.30, because of traffic. So they start at 8 o'clock, and they'd run on an early night, because I've been watching it for, for two years now. Uh, they get out at midnight at an early night, so uh, you might feel differently. But when I let you out at 10:45, I feel like I kind of shortchanged you. Amen. And then they'll they'll go a lot of times till one or two in the morning, kind of like what happened last night, where, where I, even after I dismissed at 10:40 or, or turned it back over to Pastor Daniel, people wouldn't leave. People were staying. It was like another wave hit. And you can, you know, I mean, you look around, you see the beginning of it now. I know this seems long for a lot of people to go two weeks, but it's only long. It. it Compared to how Christianity is in the country now, for example, and I'm not talking about going back a long time when my father started preaching in 1980, 1979, he said it was par for the course to have two weeks of meetings because they would schedule one week. If the meetings weren't good, the pastor would say, we didn't get the breakthrough. Let's go a second week. You know, hardly anybody's been saved. Let's go a second week and believe for it to break. And then if the meeting was going good, then they'd go a second week. So it was almost like no matter what, you're going to go two weeks. Then it changed somehow where they, they quit doing that. Then just church in general. There used to be Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And then they canceled Sunday night. Then most places have canceled Wednesday night. And then Sunday morning's about 80 minutes. So there's been this, like the pendulum swung back the other way. But you can see now, and I got in on it ahead of time. I felt the Lord speak to me in 2007 because the Assemblies of God had sent out an email to all the pastors and and ministers and I was in the Assemblies of God that the day of evangelist preaching night after night is over. People are busy now. People aren't going to come night after night and uh, hear the gospel. So we have to find new ways to reach this generation. But that's why I read 1 Corinthians chapter 1 and 2 because you always get, get your blueprint from the word. Can you say Amen. If, it, if you can't back up what you believe, so I don't read anywhere in the Bible where it says the day of people coming to hear the gospel is dying out. That might have been somebody's opinion or somebody that has a Ph.D. in religious studies, but it's not in the Bible, so I don't much care. The Bible says that God has chosen the foolishness of preaching to save those that are perishing. So it doesn't matter whether you want to go DL Moody, Billy Sunday, Billy Graham, Oral Roberts, Lester Sumrall told a story about Oral Roberts that he preached in Portland, Oregon. And when he was preaching, Oral Roberts preached that night for two hours on the gifts of the Spirit. Went through all nine, their purpose, all nine. The mayor was up on the stage, and the mayor wasn't a Christian. And when Oral Roberts finished preaching, Lester Sumrall said the mayor jumped to his feet and started clapping and went, that's the best thing I've ever heard. And he wasn't even saved, but he felt his spirit. Preaching is what God gave to break the hold of the devil off of people and then bring them into the, into the presence of God. And then if you preach properly, the Bible says in Matthew chapter 9, Jesus taught, then preached, then healed. Can you say amen? amen? So taught, preached, and then behind the teaching and preaching, the Bible says in the book of Psalms, God watches, Psalm 107, God watches over his word to perform it. So when you preach, Brother Schambach used to say, if you brag on Jesus long enough, he shows up. So what he was basically saying, that was like a Pennsylvania colloquial way of saying, when you preach the word, God watches over the word and then confirms the word with signs and wonders. Can you say amen? amen? So the more word you preach, it starts to build up and then you have it hit like it hit last night where enough's been preached for two weeks where now people's faith is high. There's word for God to back up and it, 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 it starts boiling over. And so when that happens, like uh, what happen, what's happening in Uganda, they're on like day 77, 77 days of glory. I lost track. They're like at round 11 now. They've been going for like three years every night. The place is jammed. People on the outside. That's You know where they got got the idea from that from? The book of Acts. The book of Acts, they were daily in prayer and daily in the ministry of the word. That's what we've been doing. I mean, people, people wouldn't even believe it. But we have it on video, so they have to believe it. That you could have noon services and 7 p.m. services and the noon services in the daytime. during when well, people work. People can't be there at noon. No. Especially Alaskans. Alaskans, one thing I learned in two weeks, Alaskans do what they want. So, you know, I, I want to tell an Alaskan you have to work. He'll, he'll prove to you he doesn't have to. Or that he can work at his own hours. Because I can just tell that's what people are like. It's like, uh, well, I need you to work. Well, I'll be there a- after one because I have somewhere I need to go. And then the place is sometimes approaching like a Sunday morning crowd during the work week with no celebrity preacher. No, you know, nothing. No, no hot dogs or chicken giveaway or anything like that. People just come in to hear the word. Then at night, you know, you have this. Now overflow upstairs. And again, it seems long to people, but it's not long. This is the end of week two. Now, if you keep pushing it and start getting breakthroughs and start getting key people saved, and I'm not trying to say, I'm leaving. I start in Boston, so don't, don't get nervous. But I'm showing you that, that this is not an anomaly. The reason this worked is not because me and him have some weird way of doing things. It's because everybody else seemingly has chosen to go another direction and bought into a lie from the devil that people are busy and people aren't really interested in the Bible like they used to when really people are the hungriest that they've ever been and we are in the middle of God destroying everything the enemy's planted in the United States and flipping it back on his head. Can you say amen? amen. So when that, when that email came out, from my from my own denomination, basically discouraging these kind of meetings, wow. and I was already having a hard enough time getting meetings. I was I was just starting out, you know. And people were already nervous. People wanted to do Friday, Saturday, Sunday all the time, which I hated because Friday'd be a little crowd, Saturday'd be a little crowd. Then you'd have the Sunday meeting have a blowout, but it's over. Yeah, you but know, well, uh, how much longer do you staying? It's over. So then I'd have to push. Uh, we, can we do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday? Well, Monday people work. Yeah, I know. I grew up in this country, but rather. <laughs> Why don't So the way the, the wisdom the Lord gave me in my early 20s talking to older pastors was, I would say, listen, if nobody shows up Friday, it's your fault. If nobody shows up Monday, it's my fault. So put it on me. And they like that. I said, that way well, you don't have to try to get a crowd. And if nobody comes Monday, you don't have to apologize to me. It's my fault. You got the biggest crowd there Sunday, and I blew it. So they liked that, the, the pressure coming off. And then I, that would put the pressure on me because then I'd get them talked into it. And I would think, oh, shoot, now, now what am I supposed to do? I don't know how to bring people back. In fact, I remember one time when I was preaching in Vermont at a church of about 22 people. I, I, I had done that. The pastor agreed to do Sunday, Monday, Tuesday. And, this, and then sometimes we'd go from there if, they, if, if it had momentum. But I was thinking, well, how am I going to get anybody to come back Sunday night? You know, there's barely anybody here Sunday morning. And Vermont similar to Alaska and that when the weather's nice, you know, people go missing. They'll come to church and then they've got plans at the lake. So I announced, this was before I was married, I said, tonight, we're going to have a miracle service. I'd never had a miracle. you know. I never had anybody healed of the sniffles, let alone a miracle. (laughs) So I I, I guess I was just like overselling. We're going to have miracles tonight. I'm going to preach on miracles. The power of God's going to hit this place. And my mind's going the whole time, what are you talking about? You don't even know how to do that. So as I'm driving to the service that night, telling people if they come, there'll be miracles. It starts dawning on me what I said. So I was going up Interstate, I think it's Interstate 89. I was like, oh my goodness. I told everybody there's going to be miracles. Bring the sick. Bring people that are dying. I don't know what to do. And so I called my Uncle Ted. When you don't know what to do, call somebody who knows what to do. So I, I called my Uncle Ted who's had miracle meetings for 40 some years now. And so I said, Uncle Ted, I think he kind of read between the lines and knew why I was calling. I said, I announced there's going to be a miracle meeting tonight. And I just really wanted you to agree with me in prayer that there would be miracles. Well, that was code for, I don't know what I'm doing. Can you please pray the power of God into this meeting on behalf of your stupid nephew? So my Uncle Ted, I'm hoping he's really going to let it rip. He prays this, like, gentle prayer. Father, thank you that you're with Jonathan as he goes into that meeting. In Jesus' name, amen. I thought, right, that that's not going to get it done. But, but when he said amen... He didn't hang up or change the subject. Say, well, have, have yourself a good... He was just quiet. And I heard him go, well, amen. Praise the Lord. Jonathan, when you get to the meeting tonight, there's going to be a woman with like silver hair wearing a red sweater, and she has a shoulder problem. Call her out when you see her and pray for her shoulder, and God will heal her shoulder, and then that will give the rest of the people faith to receive miracles. Uh, now that's more like it. That's what I needed. So I, now I was like jazzed. Well, I, I go that night, and sure enough, you know, it wasn't like it, more people came. It was probably about 43 that night, and which you know, when you're starting from 20, I was thrilled. I felt like Billy Graham and Royal Roberts wrapped it into one. And then there's one lady sitting there with like silver hair and a red sweater. So I didn't try to make it mystical. I and mean, the Lord's tell, I just said, listen, when I was driving here, I called my uncle to agree with me in prayer that we'd have miracles tonight, and I said what he said. And I said, there's only one lady that fits that description. Oh, she was already on her feet. She said, I, I do have shoulder problems. I, I was supposed to have to go for surgery. So I laid hands on her shoulder and prayed. After I finished preaching, I laid hands on her shoulder and prayed. And she started thanking God and crying. And then the lady jumped that was playing the piano. It was like an upright piano, like a Western saloon. So I guess they couldn't afford an like, actual piano. She jumps up off the piano and comes over and says, My son is deaf in his ear. So exactly what my, what my uncle said. He said, when the Lord touches her, other people see it, and he will start giving them faith to receive. So she said, my, my son's deaf in his ear. So I said, bring him to me. And I'd seen, you know, I knew how Jesus prayed for the deaf in the Bible, and I'd seen my uncle do it, but I'd never done it. But I put my finger in his ear, and I said, in the name of Jesus, I curse this deafness. I command it to leave this ear in Jesus' name. The boy starts crying. I said, so I was thinking like I stuck my finger in too far or something. Seriously, I mean, I never had anybody like healed. I said, oh, I'm sorry, have I hurt you? He said, no, I can hear with your finger in my ear. And so when the mom heard that, you know, moms don't really hide it very well that they're happy their child got helped. So she starts flipping out. And then the dad came that night who was not serving the Lord, but somehow she got him to come. And he was sitting in the back. And when he saw his son hearing and smiling and the mom hugging him, he ran from not... Trotted, ran from the back, slid on his knees to the altar and started to call out for the Lord to forgive him. And then we had ourselves a meeting. It it, it was on the roll. So you start seeing that that works everywhere because it's like Vermont, you know, New Englanders are very cold. You can't have a meeting like that. But you start realizing that anywhere you'll take the gospel of Jesus Christ and preach it the way it's meant to be preached, and then allow the manifestation of God's spirit to come in behind it with signs and wonders, that's the answer. Can you say amen? amen. So I, I'm, tr- I'm plodding along like that, you know, trying to get pastors that have invited me to not just do a Sunday morning, Sunday night. Let, 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 you know, let's join our faith that during the week more people will come and people will get saved. Because if somebody gets saved, like we've had happen, like a guy from a biker gang gets saved in his 50s. Well, if your meeting's over, it's over. But if there's more days, and he brings three more of his buddies from the gang, and they get saved, and then you go a week or two weeks, and then there's a swell like that, you can get a thing called momentum. Everybody say momentum. momentum. But then if it's over, it's over. So, so anyway, I'm like pushing. Well, now, as difficult as it was, and then, then they'd agree. And then they'd get out of the anointing. And then two weeks before the meeting, Jonathan. Just so you know, I know I said that we can do Sunday through Wednesday, but I just found out there's a softball tournament in our town, and that's like really big. I know you don't live here in Indiana, but it's a, it's like a big thing. Everyone goes. I've I've never I've never understood how people can get so deluded. Well, I'd love to have you. I mean, if Pastor Daniel was a normal pastor, we would never have revival because well, in the winter, you know, the roads are bad and like. Uh, 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 so that winter's not really a good time to have a meeting. And then in the summer, everybody goes to the lake. I mean, that's how people do Everybody goes to the lake. As soon as it gets warm out in Alaska, there is not a soul to be found. Everyone's on a jet ski. There's people that, that believe like that. And that's what they do. I, I had a guy call me one time in the northeast of the United States when I was just starting out. Jonathan, I'd love to be in for a revival. What about uh, we could do the beginning of the year? Well, I haven't said one word. Well, the beginning of the year isn't really a good time because the winters are pretty bad here. And then uh, we could, you know what? We could do the spring by the end, but then the spring, people get spring fever because it's the first time that it's been warm out, so everybody like goes to the lake. We could do the summer, uh, but summer, once school gets out, everybody goes on vacation. Uh, so how about we'll check the fall. When the fall school starts back up and then everybody's like in that mode. You know what? You got, got guy went through all four. It's like he had a demon, an autumn demon, winter demon, spring demon. Talked him out of everything. I hadn't said one word. He called up, invited me and uninvited me in the same call. It's like talking to a schizophrenic. Love to have you in for a revival. You know what? Get off the phone. I don't want to have you at all. So, you know, I had my work cut out for me. I had my work cut out for me to push in that direction. Then when this email comes, from our leaders that actually confirms the unbelief of the people that won't have meetings, now I feel like now I'm really like up a creek because I was already pushing this fight, and now I'm getting resistance even from the people who are supposed to be on my same team. So I was living in Virginia Beach at the time, and I felt the Lord speak to me. That email said, you can't have meetings all night or every night anymore. Start announcing at all your meetings that you're going to have two meetings a day, noon and seven. Anything the devil tells you you can't do once, do it twice. That's what the Lord spoke to me. So, and, you know, I was preaching in central Pennsylvania, and a lady came from Baltimore. And she had twins in a stroller, in like one of those double strollers. And uh, she raised her hand when I got the mic. And normally, you know, that's suicide to let somebody, just some random person speak. But I felt to let her speak. She said, can I, can I say something? I said, sure. She said, I was listening to your radio station, and I heard you say anything the devil says you can't do once, do twice. She said, before I got saved, I had an abortion, and the abortion messed up the inside of me, and they told me I could never have kids again. She actually had everything damaged. It was like medically impossible. Wow. And I wanted kids. She said, now I got married. And I, you know, I just told my husband I won't ever be able to give you kids, but then when you said anything the devil tells you you can't do once, do twice, I, I believed God for twins, and she said, I had these miracle boy twins, and I drove up three and a half hours from Baltimore just to say thank you. Well, you know what I did? I said, bring the little boys up here. They were like one and a half or two. I just had them run behind me the whole time I preached, because any time when those people would just stare at me, i just look at those kids and get excited again. Can you say amen? God will do a miracle for you. We serve a miracle working God. And the world goes over time to try to get you to deaden your faith. But if you won't lay your faith down, not only will you have success, God will, give you, God will cause you to flourish. God will give you two of what the devil said you couldn't have at all in the name of Jesus Christ. That's your portion as a child of God. Yes, God. Say it out loud. What the devil said, the devil said. I can't do once. Can't do once. I'll, do I'll do many times. Now lift your hands and begin to thank God that it's so. Praise the Lord. Go ahead and begin to thank him out of your mouth. The devil doesn't get to decide what you get to do, when you get to do it. Can you say amen? amen? So anyway, you know, that kind of discouraged me when that email came. So the Lord spoke to me how to handle it. Do it twice. Actually, I got the, the email was when I lived in Maine. Then about a year later, when we moved to Virginia Beach, I felt the Lord speak to me. Jonathan, I was walking from the Virginia Beach like, convention center back to my apartment. And I felt the Lord speak to me, Jonathan, that verse, I think I mentioned it this morning, where Paul told Timothy, be instant in season and out of season. And that was a verse that like older preachers would use to like just be ready to preach it at the drop of a hat. So like if I tell you to preach an hour before, be ready. But what the verse actually meant was, continue and persevere in preaching, whether the time, it says in the New Living Translation, whether the time is favorable or whether the time is unfavorable. So I felt the Lord speak. It was all news to me. But as I'm on this like two-mile walk, the Lord just starts speaking to me real clear. Right now, it's an unfavorable time to preach the gospel. Because in the 50s, and you can study this out, the reason Billy Graham got favorable press coverage and they never gave him a hard time for being against sexual sin like they give the preachers now and stuff is because the enemy against America was communism. There was a major threat. The CIA was nervous. Uh, The Republicans and Democrats were both nervous that communism could seep into America. And they made a decision that if people make the choice to believe in God, they can never become communists. So they made the decision to start promoting Billy Graham, you know, which is supernatural. It it is the Lord turning it for his good. I'm not undermining his ministry, but the the government wanted people to to believe in God so that they wouldn't become communists. Well, then the Lord spoke to me, but that's not the case. Our enemy wasn't communism at that point in 2007. The problem was we were fighting a war in the Middle East. And if it appeared that it was a Christian nation attacking Muslim nations, then we would, we would have no allies over there. So they actually had to take steps to show that we're actually like, don't like the church. And the Lord said, that's why that's happening like that right now. But stay faithful. And one day the pendulum will swing back. And it'll be a favorable time to preach the gospel again. Then the other thing the Lord spoke to me was, if you quit... Or make another plan or just go off the road and become like an associate pastor or something because you believe that email. Then when the pendulum does swing back the other way and it becomes favorable, you won't have what it takes to capitalize on it. But if you'll learn how to be strong and have good meetings in an unfavorable time, then when the thing swings back the other way, you'll, you know, it'll blow up. So it took a while. But 2016, the pendulum swung, swung back. Because whatever you think about Donald Trump, for whatever reason, he has a soft spot, not just for preachers, but for faith preachers. And he actually, I'll just tell you some stuff that's not reported in the news. President Trump actually put a federal commission, established it, it never existed before, that any church that's having problems with city permitting, which happens, you know, not in Alaska much Maybe some, but like in California, where they'll just say, we refuse to zone any churches in this area. We're not allowing any more churches to be built in Modesto, California, like stuff like that. That this federal commission overrides the city commission and no churches are allowed to have their building permits held up. So for whatever reason, you know, whatever negative stuff you want to say about President Trump, and if you turn on CNN, they'll give you plenty. But he does have a soft spot for the gospel because he went to Billy Graham's meetings with his father in the 50s and uh, then started collecting Bibles and all that. And then at Mar-a-Lago in Florida, they get very few channels back in the day. It's rural Florida, but one of the channels they got was a CTN, Christian Television Network offshoot. And he watched Paula White in 1999 and then met with her in New York and Paula prayed the prayer with him, and then they stayed close from that point on. So he likes faith, he not only likes preachers, He likes faith preachers and preachers that have the anointing. Can you say amen? Amen. You know, I don't know if you ever saw that now infamous picture of when all the ministers met with him right when he was elected. And then they all laid hands on him. They didn't come over and lay hands on him. He said, why don't you guys do that thing where you all put your hands on me? He asked them. Who would have ever thought the day would come into America again where you'd have a president that instead of carting preachers off the White House property, wanted hands laid on him and had a soft spot for the church. So now that it swung that way, I felt the Lord speak to me, you know, because who knows how long the windows stay open. We got stuff going on in the middle. I mean, we are a half second from Armageddon and the rapture happens minimum seven years before Armageddon. So if you're seeing signs for Christmas sales, how much closer is Thanksgiving? Can you say amen? We are living a half step from the rapture of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And the Bible says the only reason that we're here. Turn to John chapter 9. That's quite a sneeze. John John chapter 9. John chapter 9 verse 4, we must all quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. Other manuscripts read, I must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to me by the one who sent me. Others read, we must quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the Father. So do you realize that whatever you do, there's actually a task that God has for you to accomplish on this earth. That one day you're going to stand before the Lord and give an account for your life. And you'll either get an F, a C, or hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. The reason Jesus is going to have to dry the eyes of people that come into heaven is because they're going to realize that they didn't do what God called them to do. We must all quickly carry out the tasks assigned to us by the one who sent us. For night is coming and then no one can work. Night is coming when no man can work. When the trumpet sounds, it's over. They used to preach on that all the time when I was a kid. When Me and my sister came home one day. I was in eighth grade. She was in fifth grade. And my mom was always home to greet us, and she wasn't home. My sister just immediately collapsed to the ground and started crying and saying, we missed the rapture. I mean, that, that's how we were raised. Like, like, Jesus could come at any given time. There'd be times where the sun would be setting, and the cloud was formed a certain way, and there'd be like a ray of light coming through the cloud, and we'd like pause and look and say, I wonder if Jesus is coming for us. I mean, it was like that. And that never left me. Between the angel coming to my room, you know, that don't mess you up when you're eight years old. When an angel lets you know, Jonathan, God has reserved you for this last period of time to be an evangelist, to call men and women that are now in darkness into the light, for soon it will be eternally too late. Do you understand? And I said, yes. I didn't realize my yes was an agreement to sign the contract that that was it. When I said yes, the angel left. And I felt something on the inside of me from then on. And about two and a half years, I led every one of my little friends in the neighborhood to the Lord. Because seeing the angel, it wasn't just the message. I realized now that eternity was real. That there was really gonna come a day. Turn to first Corinthians chapter three. First Corinthians three ten. First Corinthians, the third chapter, in the tenth verse, because of God's grace to me, Paul said, "I have." Everybody say, God's grace. "God's grace." Because of God's grace, I have laid the foundation like an expert builder. Now others are building on it, but whoever is building on this foundation must be very careful, for no one can lay any foundation other than the one we already have, Jesus Christ. Because of God's grace, I've laid the foundation like an expert builder. Verse 12, anyone who builds on this foundation may use a variety of materials, gold, silver, jewels, wood, hay, or straw. But on the judgment day, everybody say the judgment day. Fire will reveal what kind of work. Everybody say work. That's no, not about what we do. It's about who he is. Amen. Amen. You're going to stand on judgment then and find out. <laughs> it's a, you know, it's kind of funny how like spirits attract. You can go walk into a dimly lit bar and be bound by a spirit of adultery and before the end of the night walk out with another person of the opposite sex that's bound with a spirit of adultery and go fornicate because your spirits will find each other in that room, but then it works in the positive too. It's amazing how with no, <clears throat> with no contact with Dr. Morocco, how did I end up here? I don't even know. Alaska. I never thought I'd be. I lived in Pennsylvania. Just knew it was like in a square at the bottom of the map next to Hawaii. And during that unfavorable season in America, the Lord opened this door to preach in Hana on the backside of Maui. And we got this lady named Rosalani that had stage four cancer completely healed instantly. And because Hana is so, like, everybody knows each other. All the kids call, all the women and men, auntie and uncle. Everybody found out about it. So we end up closing out the meeting. We had, like, you know, like seven Hawaiians to start. But I'm not stupid. I brought, like, a team of 30 with me. So we had 37 in the, in, the, in the seats. God gave me a plan. And then by the end, though, we had about 120 Hawaiians in Helene Hall. The whole thing was packed out. And then when we go to go back the next year, after finishing that great meeting, the pastor that had helped us had shut his church down in Han. I found out later he was like a scoundrel, so then I thought, like, what am I supposed to do? You know, do I shut it down? And I see now how God actually used that to get me ready for the crusades. Because as an evangelist in the Assemblies of God, you don't pay for anything. You send your plane ticket to the pastor, have him get your hotel, have him pay for all your meals, turn in all your receipts at the end of the two weeks for anything else that he didn't get a chance to pay for, and then um, he gives you the place and the people. You don't have to ever exercise your faith for anything but miracles, but nothing that builds the kingdom. Well, I knew we had major momentum. Not only that, the government agent, who was like the mayor in Hana, his name was Stanley Akoi. He's still alive. He called me into his office the last, right when I was getting ready to leave, and when I walked into his office, old, old, original Hawaiian guy, the ones they told me won't like you because you're white. God will give you one thing to say that will disarm everything the devil's doing. I stood up the first night after them saying, this is the home of the Hawaiian sovereignty movement. They don't like white people. I stood up and said, I've heard that white people have caused you many problems. I guarantee you they have also called me, caused me many problems. They all laughed like Hawaiians do with their arms crossed on their bellies laughing. And we were off to the races from there. Can you say amen? Hallelujah. So then Stan, Stanley Akoi, with his white hair, dark skinned Hawaiian. I don't even know why he called me in to meet with me. And I walk in. And when as soon as I walk in, he goes like this. And he goes, Lay lay your hand on my head. Before we ever talked, I laid my hand on his head and prayed. And then he said, I want you to, I heard what happened at your meeting. I know Rosalani. He said, and I've heard about a lot of the younger people that you've been helping them. I want you to promise that as long as I'm back here in charge, that you'll come here every year and bless the people of this town. That was a government official. I, I said, I promise you. Well, I promised him, and then the, you know, and he didn't even, if you would just call me and tell me, like, I don't want to do the meetings anymore, I'm shutting my church down. No. We stand there, we plan everything out. I mean, you know, freaking the East Coast, six time zones away, trying to call him on a cell phone, and the, the pastor won't answer. Can't, can't Call like 30 times. Then finally, you know, no, no, um, well, you know, it changed. People get out of the anointing. How many of you were here this morning? You mark out a straight path for your life, and you stay on the path. If I tell you I'm going to be there next year, I'm going to be there. If I have to hitch a ride on a whale, I'll be in a Wasilla. Anyway, ticks me off. So, So this kind of forced me. We're like, now there's not a pastor there that's going to rent the hall and take care of everything. So I have to pay for it. So the Lord gave me a strategy to pay for it. I had to raise it ahead of time. I was working with a ministry at the time. They were extremely uncomfortable with me doing that because they, they were set up where somebody's always paying for something. Well, how are you going to get the money? What if enough money doesn't come in? It was like just fighting it on every front, the devil, your allies, the emails, the whole thing. You know, if you're going to accomplish what God said for you to do, you need to make up your mind... Number one, just know ahead of time, you're going to get fought by your friends, you're going to get fought by your enemies, you're going to get fought by invisible things, but you just make up your mind, they can all kiss off. When the battle's over, I will still be standing firm, I'm not going to have some excuse as to why I didn't get it done. I'm going to hear, well done, my good and faithful servant. If that sounds like you, let me hear a good Alaskan amen. I got a plan. And I did clear the money. It was all done, I mean, hardly any, but I, I profited like 2600 So the minister, you know, still was uneasy. But I did it. I rented the hall. Had to find, I had like sinners helping me out. Couldn't get any, you know. Get it done. Just get, you have to get it done. Larry the Cable Guy has great advice for the ministry. Get her done. So we, we did it. Then another meeting grew even more. And then kept going. Can you say amen? amen? So then the Lord helps me out because one, one year I went there seven times in a year, which I mean, it sounds like, you know, you'd have people, oh, we're going back to Hawaii, boy, really suffering for Jesus. Like, yeah, I'm really looking forward to getting on a 13-hour flight after do, doing 50 meetings in 50 days. And you know, there was no crowd. I would have to round everybody up, go door to door myself, all that stuff. So finally, after years of doing that, I get a church established back there. And then, I'm, you know, I'm telling the Lord, I, 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 what do you want me You keep flying back here eight times a year? I can't do both things. And so then this couple comes up from West Virginia and tells, they come on the trip with me. And they said, the Lord spoke to us to sell everything we own and move from West Virginia to pastor here. So they pastor. And then the offerings get to a point after teaching on tithing and stuff that the church is self-sustaining in Hana. And then they would call me all the time, but I knew I wasn't an apostle. I knew I wasn't to be the one over them. So I said, uh, I'm going to hook you in with Dr. Morocco. I've never met Dr. Morocco, but I know about him. Anybody in Hawaii knows about him. He's got a great reputation. Everybody knows he's anointed. It's the biggest thing, which that'll also help you in ministry. You know, stay, pick the right horse. If you're in this church and someday some bozo takes 40 people and splits it, don't join, that's the sick horse. People don't use, use their brains. You know, I wouldn't. This is the person that I'm under. Oh, you're under him? The guy that meets in his garage? Best of luck. Can you say amen? amen. So I thought, you know, you don't have to. Dr. Morocco's fruit spoke for itself. So I got, I got everything set up for those churches to come under him. And then I go meet Dr. Rodney Howard Brown in Washington, D.C. for lunch. They just didn't want to meet me for lunch, told me where to meet him. It was at the, the, the Capitol Hill Club for the senators, so I met him there. And guess who's sitting across the table from me? Dr. Morocco. Should have guessed, there's only been three characters in the story so far. It's like forensic files. You can guess who it is. It's like, it's not, it's not her because she's the victim. It's not him because he looks nice. And then, they... and then this was his uncle, Jeffrey. Like, I, it's him. I know it's him. So I'm seated across from Dr. Morocco. And he goes, you know, in his real nice, like super nice voice. Hello, nice to meet you. I'm Dr. I'm I said, I don't know who you are. I said, you're Dr. James Morocco. You pastor King's Cathedral on Derry Road in, in Maui. He said, yeah, that's right. What's your name, young man? I told him. He said, I've heard about you. He said, you, you just started two churches because when we got the one going in Hana, other people in, what's that one town on the way to Hana? Key and I, the people in Key and I heard about it. They had an old historic church there that hadn't been used in 20 years and asked us if we would start doing meetings there too. So they had two congregations, brought them both under. He said, you just started two churches and put them there. He said, you never even called me or anything. <laughs> well, what's to talk about? So then, so then we get to talking. I'd really, really love for you to come out to my church in Maui. Yeah, you know, I, went, I went, actually, the last time I was there, actually, when I was there with your, your pastor, It was just such a, like, thing for me because I didn't go there to preach at that church. I started in a freaking hall with seven people. But then if you're faithful, then you stand there one night, and it's packed for the outreach, like 2,500 people. And you think, man, the Lord rewards you. Though the vision tarries, wait for it, for at the end it shall speak. (laughs) Lift both hands all over this place. On my final night with you, everything that's been delayed, every vision that's been tearing, it is delivered into your hand tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. With your hands lifted, just begin to thank God out of your mouth. No more delay. Don't mind where you are now. That's not where you're going to finish the year. There will be explosion after explosion after explosion till one day you stand on your two feet and say, Surely the Lord has done great things for me. Say it so the devil can hear you. Say, I'm not going to finish where I started. I'm going somewhere. And I don't feel like the devil can get you discouraged or oh, just me now. I don't feel like the devil can get you discouraged or quit. Certainly not suicidal. Certainly not retirement. Certainly not in need of a sabbatical if you keep ever before you, that God is a rewarder, that he's not having you do a bunch of arbitrary things, that it's leading you somewhere, and he's leading you higher and higher in Jesus' name. You're not going to finish the year where you're at right now. December 25th, every person will have reason to sing a new song, saying, Surely the Lord has done great things. If that sounds like you, take 15 good seconds, clap your hands one more time, and give God a mighty, mighty shout of praise. Somebody shout, There's a reward. Yeah, and it's not just in heaven. Timothy, godliness is profitable unto... I love that verse. 1 Timothy 4, eight. Timothy, godliness is profitable unto all things. Physical exercise profiteth little, but godliness is profitable unto all things, holding promise or value or profit both now and in the life to come. And in the life to come. Now and in the life to come. Anybody who gives up father or mother or sisters or brothers or... <coughs> Or property, or I. <coughs> Sorry, I've been. I was uh, smoking with some old ladies before the service. And anybody who gets. <laughs> no, no, I'm good. I'm fine now. I'm going to switch back to filtered. Amen. I had this older evangelist tell me one time. In Oklahoma, he said, "I watch you on, on the live stream. If I said what you said, my ministry would be over." He said, "But you say it and people laugh. Why is that? I don't know." <laughs> Godliness is profitable unto all things, holding value both now. Everybody saying now. now, and in the life that is to come. So when you and then Jesus said, "I assure you this: anybody who gives up houses or property." Or lands, or mother, or father, or sister, or brother, for my sake and the sake of the gospel, we will receive now. we'll say now, yeah. now, and in this life, one hundred times as much as what he's given, with per- of what he's given with persecution. But you get the persecution anyway, so might as well get the houses and lands too. Amen with persecution. Yeah. When they were cutting Christians' heads off in Egypt, they weren't asking them, do you believe in prosperity? They weren't asking are you a Presbyterian or Baptist or Catholic? If you name the name of Christ, they were coming at you the same. So you might as well get the whole kit and caboodle. You might as well not only go to heaven, you might as well get the revelation and the anointing to ransack the camp of the devil from now till when Jesus comes. You're already in the fight, so get the power to win the fight and be well rewarded on Judgment Day in the in the mighty name of Jesus Christ. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Praise God! Hallelujah. If you don't lose sight of the reward, you can't ever get discouraged. Before the devil can get you all beaten down and tired, he has to convince you. Yeah, that's it. We gave our whole life to missions and. We don't have it. You should have given your life to Jesus. Pays much better than missions. Can you say amen? amen. Yeah, my life's not given to, to, well, you know, I gave my life to this church. I don't give my life to the church or revival today or a denomination. I, I made a deal with that angel who was a messenger from God. My covenant is with God. My reward is from on high. It is out of the hands of denominations. It's out of the hands of the government. I am serving God. He is my reward. He is my buckler. He is my shield. He is my defense, a very present help in time of trouble. comes from God, both now and in the life to come. So there's a reward now. Praise God. Well rewarded. Jesus, knowing the joy that was set before him, endured the indignity, shame, and reproach of the cross. That's how God designed for people to work. Elijah with the widow. If you give some of that meal you have left, I will make, thus saith the Lord, your crews of oil shall not fail and the jar of meal won't run out. So God works with a reward system. Can you say amen? amen? It's not a punishment system. It's not you give so others can have. It's you give so others can have and then I'll drop from heaven a multiplied amount that you could never get. That's God. That every instruction, ev- hallelujah, every instruction, that God gave is for your profiting, not for his profiting. He's already the most high. Ask Chick-fil-A, if shutting down on Sunday is for God's benefit or your benefit, I'm telling you as soon as you start seeing that this book is a book of commands, that if you do them lead to treasure, lead to profiting, lead to the Lord (laughs) taking you where no human hand could ever take you, then you'll say it's a good thing to serve the Lord. It's a joy to serve and lift up the name of the Most High because God never changes anyone for the worse. He's changes everybody for the better. If you stick with him, he'll take you where no eye has seen, where no ear has heard, where it's never entered into the heart of man. So I did it, I did it the opposite. Should've called Dr. Morocco first when I was 24. Hello, I'm young, starting out in the ministry. Would love, if you have me in for a meeting. If you stick with God's plan, it's a peculiar, weird plan from a natural standpoint. That's what Paul was talking about when he said that God's wisdom is foolish to men, but God's foolishness is higher than men's wisdom. Can you say amen? amen. Can you say a better amen? amen. Yeah. You never use your mind to reason with God. God, how many I supposed to go to church one day a week? I'll get fired. Then get fired. Well, they, have, they told me they'd give me a promotion, um, but then I have to work Sundays. You didn't get a promotion. You got a demotion. It was the devil buying you off of your commitment for a $20,000 raise. You're not bright. Potiphar's wife was not a chance. I'm fine. I'm fine. But thank you. Potiphar's wife was not a chance for Joseph to escape slavery and marry his master's wife and get out. It was a trap in disguise. And those are tests. The Lord, that's what the Bible's talking about when it talks about tests. When It's not sickness, it's not cancer, it's the Lord seeing what it takes to buy you off. Well, they're gonna make me the supervisor, but then I'd have to work Sundays. Okay, is that what it takes? For you to make God second? He asked for one day, And now it's not even the whole day. It's like 90 minutes. He asked for, out of a 168-hour week, he asked for 90 minutes, and you can't clear that out, and you think you're a Christian, you are sadly mistaken. Yeah, it gets quiet. I knew I'd get you quiet eventually. Yeah. Yeah, go ask people in the north of Nigeria that are getting slaughtered and still going to church the next Sunday to give God praise that there's still some family members left. Ask. Ask if you're of the same tribe or not. You're not. This American Christianity that I'll pencil God in when I have time will be the most frustrating life. I'm not saying this to be mean. You've been in church, some of you have been in church 28 times in two weeks. So I'm I'm not knocking you in the head. I'm telling you that what you did these two weeks... Don't make it a two-week aberration. We've lost track of how many people have gotten raises in the last 13 days. 13 days. People with wild testimonies. New car, debt paid off. From honoring God's house for two little weeks. Now imagine if you do it for 38 years. How what you think is your testimony now? We'll just keep snowballing down the hill and getting bigger and bigger and bigger. If you don't get off the path, God will never stop opening his hand of blessing. If you stay with God, that's what Christianity is. It's the devil trying to buy you off. The devil cannot stop a Christian he has to convince them to quit themselves but today and these two weeks a perseverance from the spirit has been preached into the inside of you you shall not quit you shall not be discouraged you will do all the things that god said you will do so rejoice and be glad for the lord has given you the victory come on take 30 seconds and give god the highest praise Come on, give him the highest praise. Get rid of all your quit. Yeah. You think God, you think God's going to let you suffer because you, 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 you chose to live for him? Chose, and I mean, everybody, I want to live for God. But remember what that entails. Honor the Lord's house. Honor his day. And then it's 10 cents on every dollar. 10 stinking cents. And then he said, if you give it to me, and he said, now if you give it to me, you'll have 10% less, but one day you'll go to heaven. He said, if you return it to me, see if I want, I'm not taking an offering either right now, so relax. Be a terrible poker player. Could tell every non-tither in the room. I'd like I'd like to round you up for a card game. Man, can't you pretend you tithe? Just go, amen, that's right. All right, tithe. Don't forget the offering too, preacher. And first fruits. Amen. But if you go like this, everybody knows. Then some people, then some people actually will storm out if you talk about the tithe. Why don't you just hold up a sign that says, as you storm out, I am a very cheap person. and have enough sense to fake it, amen. Pretend. Honor the Lord's day. Get set one day apart as holy unto me and then return the tithe unto me as a sign, as proof that you're not just running your mouth, that you actually believe that I'm the source of all your blessing. And if you do, you'll do without, but the gospel will get to go out. That's not what it says. That's how they took offerings when I was growing up. Well, we can do with less so that others that have never heard the gospel. That's not in the Bible. Return to me in the tithe and the offering. And if you do, see if I won't open the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing that's so great you'll never have enough room to take it all in. Try it. Only place in the Bible, Malachi 3.10. Try it and let me prove it to you. There'd be too many hands go up if I said how many of you have experienced some dimension of that. And you know one of the greatest joys of my heart is just seeing all the kids I just got another one this morning, a card from a young man. Dear Jonathan Shuttlesworth, I've been watching your broadcast, P-R-O-D-C-A-S-T. And I thought to myself, it takes a lot of courage to step up and be an evangelist. My brother in law is in the military and is in Korea away from his wife and son, and I hoped you'd pray for him. What a great kid. No need for him. Pray for somebody else. And this, and there's 20 bucks in it, and this money is my tight. T-I-G-H-T-H, tight. So you know what happens? I can tell you what happens because I, I knew what 10% of a number was before I could add two plus two. You start tithing from a young age, it gets easy. When you start learning to give 10 cents on an actual dollar that someone gives to you and, and 50 cents on $5, and then, then, then when it is $10 on $100, it's easy. And I know what that feels like when you have zero money and then you get 100 and it's like, I don't really need the whole hundred. You don't want to give 10. So you know what you do? You give 20. Just say, hey Lord, you're the source of the hundred. Then one day it comes a thousand. Then there comes a day, I actually was prophesying this in 2015. Because God said he would increase you a hundredfold. Who was say a hundredfold? So I said to people, I said, one day, the amount of money that you made this year, you will write as a single tithe check. But when I said it, at least we got somebody say hallelujah. When I said that in those churches on the lower 48, just cricket. That sounds extreme to me. Yeah, that's, that's just a tenfold increase. And so I would always say it. You know, it's funny how the Lord will actually, whether anyone agrees with you or not, the Lord will listen to what you say. So I just kept saying it. If God said he'd increase you a hundredfold, the day will come where you'll write a tithe check. And so I started making it personal. They wouldn't agree, so I would just say it. The day will come, we're all write a tithe check for more than what I made last year. Not one amen, you know. Not you guys there. I don't think that's necessary, honestly. And then when that guy gave $1.1 million in one offering in a church of less than 200, wasn't even a Christian, guess what my tithe check was? 110,000. Guess what I made a couple years before? 108,000. So in one sitting, I wrote a tithe check for more. If you would get a glimpse from the word of God of how big the reward is, nobody would be able to buy you off in a million years. I was in Maui one time at the Paia Fish Market. I pulled over and ate, went back to my car. I was typing in my GPS. I was by myself. And a prostitute came over to the window. She said, "Can I can I go where, can I go where you're going? Leaned in the window. You know, I didn't mean to react as strongly as I did. I went, no! <laughs> you could tell no one had ever answered. And Maui, too, you know, everything's laid back. Nah, bro. No! Okay! <laughs> no. Not happening. Beat it, smelly. Amen. I'm, can't come with me. We're heading in two different directions. People say, well, that's not very compassionate. Why didn't you witness to her? You know, if you witness to a prostitute in your car, people don't believe you that you're witnessing. There's a time to witness and there's a time to run. Hallelujah. I said there's a time to witness and there's a time to get your rear end out of the sin. Praise God. Did you know? Did you know that there's only three places that you're going to be tested? According to Dr. Lester Summerall. Once you get this checked, it's pretty easy to live. He said every man, and Joseph's an example because he passed all three tests. You can only fall in three areas. Sexual immorality. Now, if you, if you lived in sin, I'm not talking about the past. I'm talking about from here forward. Can you say amen? amen? Number one, sexual immorality. So you just make up your mind in a meeting like this. It ain't happening. I've already made up my mind a long time ago. There is never going to be a time where you have to say, oh, did you hear what happened to Brother Jonathan? How come Brother Jonathan hasn't been back here the last five years? Oh, so you didn't hear what happened. Yeah, you know, it's really a shame. And I guess he's, he's you know, mistakes Take time and cost money. There's a minister that left his wife that's a television minister. He lost 70% of his partners in two months. And then he got remarried pretty quick. Basically just for business. Because people don't realize, you know, you think you're going to do something? And And then the way my generation is... Like, if I was like people in my generation, I would cheat on my wife and then get mad that people don't support my ministry anymore. Why don't people have any grace? Hey, hey genius, maybe you should have counted the cost that when people have poured their heart and trust you and, then you, and have had to put up with crap from their family because of you, they, ah, that guy's a phony and all that, and they stuck up for you. No, he's not a phony. He's a genuine man of God. And then you do that, they're going to be mad. And if you watch Forensic Files, you should also be happy that you're not stabbed to death. Half those Forensic Files are somebody that cheated with somebody's wife, and now you got three potential people that are going to kill you. Your wife, the lady you cheated with when she finds out you're not going to leave your wife, or that lady's boyfriend or husband. So you have, or all three. It's a bad move. Can you say Amen. So number one, keep your eye on the reward for serving God and understand that there is a penalty for sin. Can you say amen? amen. I mean, I'm just now, whatever we are in the ministry, feeding a 1,000 kids a day and just got able to purchase national TV time, that took me 17 years. You think I'm going to throw it away and start from scratch? And you can rebound but I don't want to be where I am when I'm 80 where I could have been when I was 50. Can you say amen? amen. You, know, you, know, you know, one thing that I've enjoyed in life is anytime somebody brings my father up, they don't like have like a distant look because he stole. He asked someone from the congregation to give him money to buy a car and that he'd pay him back and never paid him back. Anytime somebody brings up my father, there's no bad story. It's your dad led me to the Lord. Your dad preached at my church and had a great revival. You know, pastors now that are in their 50s, I gave my life to the Lord at a youth camp. Your dad was preaching and got called to the ministry. And then he would preach at my Bible college. And the Lord, that's where the Lord gave me the vision to build this church. How's your dad doing? It's a good day. I don't want Camila to have to get like a far off look when someone says, who's your dad? Jonathan. Oh, Jonathan Shuttlesworth? Oh, the guy that was on television and then had the problem with the, the money and was using church money to... No, I want to leave an inheritance like my father left for me where my dad, my grandfather pulled the Shuttlesworth name out of the coal mine and out of the mud. My dad advanced it further. Then I got to start as my floor where my dad's ceiling was. Now Camila will get to start and if every generation will make up their mind, whatever I didn't have at my disposal, I don't care. I'm starting a new chapter in my family. And as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. As for me and my family, we're not going to try to serve the Lord. We will serve the Lord with all my heart, with all my soul, and with all my physical strength. I will serve the Lord. If that sounds like you, take 60 good seconds one more time and give God the mightiest praise. Oh, you sound good. Let the redeemed of the Lord say so. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! You know, Pastor, I heard you're having church. I want to. I've been telling people because I, I lived. In, you know, I'm, I grew up in America. I know Americans. Hey, we're having a revival uh, this coming week at the church. I've had pastors invite people when I'm with them. Hey, um, this is the evangelist. He's preaching in our church. I know I've been inviting you. And you, I know you haven't been able to make it yet, but if you could, why don't you make it this week? Well, I'm, I'm going to try to get out. I'll go. I'll go. And then, you know, it doesn't make for like pleasant conversation. You're not coming. I'm going to try to make it. What do you mean try to make it? What is it, 1790? We play an Oregon Trail. You have to hitch a wagon, have two family members die of dysentery on the way to church. You have to ford a river. What do you mean try to make it? You need to lose that American You know, I'm going to try and start going to church. What do you mean? Do you know what covenant is? Covenant, that's lost to Gentiles, man. Hand under the thigh. My sword is your sword. My battle is your battle. I am with you till death. Every time the doors of this church are open, I'll be there. I I pulled the tubes on my son Saturday morning at 5.30 in the morning. It was in church Sunday morning to show the Lord. This is not a wavering commitment I have. On Sunday, I'm in church. If ISIS is in the parking lot, they can get out of the way, I'm going to church. If it's snowing, I'm going to church. If it's nice out and I'm tired and could use a day at the lake, I'm going to church. I am not a part-time Christian. I am a book of Acts, covenant Christian, and God has my heart. Now, let's just come up with the the points as I preach. Number one, be conscious of the reward. Number two, serve God with all your heart. Hallelujah. Two weeks here, get on a plane tonight at 12.50, land at 5 p.m. tomorrow in Boston if everything goes to plan and then start and do three services tomorrow in Boston and then go the rest of the week. And I'll, I'll hit it hard. I'm all in, man. My dry cleaner knows I'm all in. My dry cleaner's been asking my wife back in Pittsburgh, how's the ministry going for your husband? She's not a Christian. But she needs my, my sweaty suits make up probably 20% of her business. If my ministry fails, her dry cleaning business fails. She asks her every time, how's, how's the ministry going? How's your husband doing? That's great. She needs me to be doing great. If I turn Presbyterian, she's out of business. If I get a headset mic and a stool, she's finished. I got an unsaved lady that runs a dry cleaning business. Father God, keep him full of your fire. Can you say amen? Yeah. Say with all my heart. Yeah. And when you serve with all your heart, there's proof. No eye has seen. No ear has heard nor has it ever entered into the heart of man what God has reserved for his children. No, what God has reserved for those who love him. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind and emotion and will, and all your physical strength. And when you immerse yourself You keep your hot, fiery love for God burning. People don't tithe, not because they need teaching on tithe or they need to be convinced on the the tithe. They don't tithe because their loves. I don't get your tithe. I'm not preaching this for me. I'm telling you a secret to not have to struggle, to lift other struggling people out of pits. Because love means different things to different people. Any pastor that's ever had a couple of, a married couple that's getting ready to break up. They all think they love each other. Husband, no, I do love you. When's the last time you've taken her on vacation? I oh, I think Reagan was getting reelected. <laughs> yeah, you don't spend any money on her. You don't spend any time sitting in a chair in the same house or stare at your phone and stare at the TV and don't say "To hey, love. You think you love, but you're wrong because love, God so loved the world that he sat up in heaven and said, it's a shame everybody's dying in sin. No, God so loved the world that he... Yeah, you can give without love attached, but you cannot love and not give. When you love, giving flows. When I fell in love with that little Puerto Rican in Boston, my wife had dollars. Nobody had to give me a teaching seminar on how you should give to the girl that you like. Boy, I actually had to get pulled into a room by my parents. You're spending a little much on her, aren't you? You don't have enough money to be eating there and buying those things. I do today. Yeah, what about tomorrow? Jesus said tomorrow's worries have, are, will take care of themselves. It's not even scriptural to think like that. Man, when you're in love, you spend money like it's tap water. I think back on stuff I used to buy when I was 25 dating in I had like no money. I was getting paid like 300 bucks every two weeks. And this is like how my brain would work because love love will make you not think straight. So I'd be like, I want to take her to the nicest steakhouse that there is. There's a place in Boston called Abe and Louie's. And uh, I thought, I want to take her there. So I looked up their menu online. I added it all up. I thought we could get an appetizer and meals and dessert and drinks. Drinks, you know, like sparkling water, Christian drinks throw her a lime in it, make it like super fancy. And I had it all up. I thought, that'll cost between high end about, depending on what she orders, but if she ordered the most expensive thing, I could do the dinner for like 180 to 220. Let me see how much money I have in the bank. Oh, 226, I'm good. <laughs> yeah, what are you gonna do after you're done eating? Oh, worry about it tomorrow. You don't care. In fact, my dad went away on a trip. He had to fly somewhere, and my mother was visiting somebody. And my dad left. My dad had a um, brand new Chevy Suburban. And my dad takes like really good care of his stuff. So I thought, I'm not going to pick her up in my car that's smashed in in the back that isn't registered. You know, I'm probably going to have to meet her mom and dad. I'm taking that car. And so I drove it down, picked her up like a boss in a brand new SUV. Her dad's looking out the window like, you know, yeah, you can go date him. We go out to dinner take her back home, drive back to Maine. I drove four and a half hours one way to ask her out. Let me tell you, it, wasn't, it was a pretty forceful asking because after four and a half hours, it was more like, let's go. <laughs> and then ate, and then we went to a 24-hour Dunkin' Donuts in Framingham and talked all night till like five in the morning, dropped her off at her house, and then drove on straight adrenaline from love from 5 till 9:30. Never stop. Just smiling. Stayed on the phone. Love. Love carries power, you know. When you stay in love with God, it'll carry the same power. Love, love is what's gonna have me on that plane. Love's what's gonna have me preach. Love's what has me like this preaching to you. Service number 24. Not when you love, love for God carries its own energy. Can you say amen? Amen. You fall in love with Jesus and you keep that love burning bright. It is the ticket to the top. I drive back to Maine. My dad flies back on that trip and my dad, I don't know, it's like he has like a sixth sense. Like if I ever wore his shoes, he knew. He'd like, look at the shoes. Do you wear my shoes? I, I washed his vehicle, did like, filled it up, had it, I mean like, Short of wearing like a hazmat suit, I had it like exactly as it was. He gets off the plane, goes in the driveway, and we're like walking in, I'm carrying his bags, and he goes, and puts his finger on the side of the chair, like what? Did you drive my car? I said, I said, yeah, I did. <laughs> and he goes, just like, he goes, did you drive down to Boston to take that girl out? I said, I did. He said, you did that without permission? You know what I said? It must have come to me like for the spirit on. You know, Dad, they say it's not good for your car to sit and not be driven. It's like bad for the engine. He said, I was gone a day and a half. Yeah, but still, you can never be too careful. You don't want to sit there, the oil congeals. You know, I wasn't doing it for me. I was doing it for you. Love. I emptied my, love. When I bought her diamond ring, it's like eight grand, the diamond in the ring. I wrote an $8,000 check like I was writing an 80 cent check. The easiest check I ever wrote in my life. Then I got the ring, FedExed to me from the jeweler. I drove from Bangor, Maine to Boston holding it like this. And when I went through the toll booth, I almost put it in, the toll booth thing. One third Polish. Thank God for the other two thirds. Let's check there. Let me tell you, I would have torn that metal thing apart with my bare hands. I was preaching at her church. I forgot about all this. <laughs> I was preaching at her church, her home church in Massachusetts. And I finished preaching. And I said, "As many," I said, I'd said, i like a to come up. I said, as many of you heard, we've been dating, but we're not engaged or anything. I said, but a lot can change in two minutes. I pulled the ring out right at the end of the service. And she dropped it and her friends start freaking out. People are... People, we had a deaf girl healed in the meeting from the Boston School of the Deaf and didn't get anywhere near the reaction. People love that stuff. People watching The Bachelor, they don't even know anyone. I don't know why he's with her. I don't know. When she said she'd marry me, people got on the pews in Massachusetts and are jumping up and down. And then I had a red carpet on the outside of the church and had rented a limousine to take us where we went on our first date to that steakhouse. And we have been running like that for 13 years, love, because I I won't I won't let the love go. You just make a decision to stay in love. Bible says love holds no record of wrongdoing. Love will bury it. I'm not going to bring up stuff that happened in 2009. You, know, you remember in 2009 what you said when we were on the way our way to your parents' house? No, because I'm a Christian. Amen. Can you say amen? Yeah. yeah. The Bible says forgetting the past. This will work in marriage. Like get work cuz spiritual principles transfer to everything. Forgetting those things that are behind you. You're bound by your past. I need victory over my past. You don't need victory. You need to take the rear view mirror on your car's life and rip it off of the windshield and say, I'm not bringing up. Listen, I'm not bringing up anything that happened before today unless it's to glorify Jesus. I have my eyes fixed before me on where I'm going, and that's where my focus is. I'm going to be rewarded in the name of Jesus Christ. If that sounds like you, do it one more time. Take 30 seconds and give God... A blast of Alaskan praise. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Hallelujah! Hallelujah! Sexual sin, taking God's glory, taking credit for what the Lord does. Sexual sin, taking God's glory and touching God's money. Gehazi, Ananias, and Sapphira start messing with the money. Those are the only three ways you can really fail in the ministry and basically the only ways you can fail as a Christian. Taking God's glory, pride, has ruined a lot of young preachers. You know, I actually think you preach better than Pastor uh, so-and-so. You should start. If you started your own church, my wife and I were talking, we would come and we would support it. Then they get a big head and then they're meeting somewhere with 40 people controlled by one guy with money and their whole thing goes down the toilet because they got pride, they couldn't stay stay with it. Whereas if you'll stay led by the Spirit, confident that you don't need the promotion of men, God will promote you, and God promotes best. You do your part, listen to me. You do your part, and it commits God's hand to do his part. Honor the Lord's day, honor one day. Ask Chick-fil-A if it works. Look it up online, 3.1 million per store next closest is McDonald's at 2.2 million revenue per store. And if you drive by, it looks like it. It looks like Brooklyn traffic at a Chick-fil-A. you got like three lines of people and they're closed one day a week. And they take 10% off the gross revenue and give it to the Lord. Tie your money in with God and tie your time in with God. Don't listen to these. I mean, how many of you know we're going to take an offering? Some of us serve God with our time, our treasure, or our talents. If you would like, why don't you try serving Him with all three? Where Where'd you ever read in the Bible? You can pick. Oh, I, I, you know, I help shovel the church lot out, and that, I count that as my tithe. Enjoy yourself. Just like when I give, it doesn't count as my church attendance. You don't pick. You serve him with all your heart, all your soul. You use your mind to think about, how can I advance the kingdom of God? All my heart, all my soul. Everybody say, all my strength. Then all that is within me praise his holy name. Then as you do it, like spirits start to attract. I don't even know how I ended up here. Good. I was reach, preaching at that, as somebody's got youth thing and how'd you hear about me? You shouldn't remember, it's divine. Meet him meet, on the front row, Pastor Daniel wasn't even here. And they had me preach. And then she calls and says, you need to have him back to preach, you would really like this guy. And then, man, make a new friend. I have like my eighth friend. <laughs> Almost have 10 now, Amen. And then now look out. Look at it growing. Then you got that place on the hill. Yeah. And where I'm going in Boston this week. That guy took a church, former meth addict. And then he graduates Bible college. He's three classes behind me, but he's older, he's older than me, you know. Just got a, got a late start because he uh, started late in, in his Christian life. So he's like wild, you know. And then he completed Teen Challenge. He completed Bible college. So they couldn't say you can't have a church. But you, they didn't want to give him anything. So they give him this church that they were going to close down anyway. It's down to 23 people. I was like, well, if he fails, we're going to shut it down. So it. It's at 880, 880 people. They built a new multi-million dollar building just like him. People are like, people can't believe it. You know why? Because it's the grace of God. And what I got ready to say, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 3. First Corinthians chapter three verse twelve. Don't you love coming to my meetings when I have a flight at, at midnight? Because you know I can only preach so long. Gives you like light at the end of the tunnel. Amen. First Corinthians three twelve. <laughs> Hallelujah. 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 Praise the Lord. Just want to get one more look at you before I go. Not to creep you out or anything. I'm going to miss you. Hallelujah. What God started this week is only the beginning. The best is yet to come. Hallelujah. Yoruba or Igbo? Igbo. Love you. Hallelujah. I'm going to miss you. Proud of you. Praise God. Where are you from? Nigeria. What city? Oh, like that? You're with them? You, Igbo, too? Bless you. Hallelujah. If you preach hard enough, Nigerians just start showing up. That's a fact. I was preaching in Finland. Finland white lily white Finland and I'm letting it rip next night three Nigerians next night nine Nigerians next night two rows of Nigerians how would you guys find out we heard there was someone preaching Nigerians are taking the world over they're in Finland they're in Alaska hallelujah the fire of God God's using them to spread the Holy Ghost all over the world hallelujah you're going to have a great year the Lord's never going to stop blessing you Hallelujah. going to be the greatest year you've ever had. Hallelujah. (laughs) Hallelujah. You're blessed. You're blessed. Praise God. Hallelujah. Man, I should come back here more often. People are like super friendly in the back room. You don't have to stand up. Just lift both your hands in the jean jacket. You're going to have the best year you've ever had. You're going to have the greatest year you've ever had. Praise God. God's going to bless you in Alaska. I tell everybody, God's going to bless you in Alaska. God's going to bless you in this land. You're going to have the best 94th birthday anybody's ever had. Where are you going, Chuck E. Cheese? Hallelujah. Lift your hands all over this place. (laughs) I'm glad I thank God that he used me to get get this little thing rolling but I'm telling you it's going to roll next week it's going to roll the week after (laughs) hallelujah hallelujah (laughs) no man pursues God at a loss the harder you follow God the harder the blessings of God follow after you nobody puts God first and finishes second no man puts God first and finishes in last place The harder you pursue God, the harder his blessings pursue after you. The hard, I follow hard after you. My soul longs for you in a dry and weary land where there is no water. That's the secret. Don't wait on God. God's not, there's nothing to wait for. God's not slow. If you'll pursue him, his blessings surely, goodness and mercy will follow you all the days of your life. I tell every person in the sound of my voice, the tide in your life has turned. The, the curses have rolled out and the blessings are rolling in. It's not going to stop next week. It's going to go all year long. You are blessed. You're going higher and higher into the presence of Jesus. There you have the difference between Nigerians and white people. Nigerian lay down at my feet and grab my feet and say, Lord, give me that grace. And then you're pr- pronouncing blessing, and white people waddle out. In the midst of the declaration. Then they'll have the gall to come back and ask for prayer when they're sick. You missed your moment. You missed the hour of your. You think I'm up here declaring stuff to fill time? Why yell at 300 people for two stooges? I'm just telling you, that's why people miss it. Declaring the word of the Lord, people waddle out. I had to use the manner. Pee in the seat, it's a padded seat. You could have held it 30 seconds. You know how I know you could have held it 30 seconds? Because I've had it before where I couldn't hold 30 seconds. You don't waddle out. You go like this. You start getting undressed on the way to the bathroom. <laughs> Casual attitude will get you nowhere. So like, like, like a vision of how, you know, love the Lord your God. With all your heart. I went to Nigeria. The customs officer was a Muslim. You know how I was able to tell? I wasn't discerning spirits. I had a clue because his name was Muhammad Muhammad. So I was able to put two and two together because I'm really smart. What was your purpose in Nigeria? I said, I was at Bishop Oyadepo's Shiloh conference. He got down on his knees like he did, put his hand out and said, touch my hand so I can have some of the grace from that meeting. So even the enemies of the church there's been such a move of God realize that there is a living God with living power there. That in America you got people that think they know the Lord that when the power is flowing move out. But not you. I said not you. Because that's what I've seen these two weeks. The Alaskans have caught it. It has nothing to do with culture. It's the Holy Ghost and having a respect for the Holy God. I don't mean respect like a reverend, like be quiet. I'm talking like when Pastor Daniel's preaching on Sunday, it's not a TED talk. He is, the Lord has given him a message. He's delivering it. As I receive it into my spirit, God's word doesn't return void. As I take it in, it's what causes me to produce fruit. None of you will lack results. The rest of your life, this is the lowest that you'll ever be. From this day forward, you go higher and higher and higher and higher and higher. If you believe it, shout amen like thunder. That's right. I'm telling you, it's not it's not a sin to come into church 25 minutes late with a cup of coffee. But I can just tell you, people that people that have that mentality, shaking hands on the way in while praise and worship's going on. Hey, how you doing? People are welcome to leave my meeting whenever they want. I don't have a 357. But if you're gonna leave, leave. When people shake hands on the way out, get out. Who are you, the mayor? Greet everyone on the way out. People have to leave. When people have a light attitude, towards the anointing in the sanctuary. They, they stay low. You asked Pastor Dale, you couldn't be more lighthearted than me. But one thing I take deadly serious is God's work, God's word, and people's lives. Can you say amen? Yeah. This is not a rebuke. I'm telling you, because you've been the same way. Shout in on it. Don't ever drift back to American Christianity. American Christianity doesn't work. Book of Acts Christianity is what works. And the devil works overtime. To get you to think it won't work, doesn't work in this day and age. They're saying on CNN and public school and university, this thing needs to be updated. We need to evolve how we believe based on new things. No, I don't. This is God's word. Truth never gets old. Truth never gets tired. Truth is... You can do nothing against the truth, but only for the truth. The B-I-B-L-E will always prove true. The grass will wither, the flower will fade, but the word of my God will stand forever. It's not up for a vote. It is the word of God. And if you build your life on it, go ahead and praise the Lord. Let him know. Make a commitment to him. Make a commitment to them. I am yours. I love you.
0: Hallelujah. Hallelujah.
2: If you commit like they committed in the book of Acts, you'll have the blessings they had in the book of Acts. There was no poverty among them, Acts 4.34. And the early church was poor. They didn't have jets. They didn't even have cars or bicycles, genius. They weren't invented yet. It's not like there were jets out and Peter refused to own one. People are like low IQ that criticize prosperity. They don't even make, they don't make any sense. I don't know how you can have a functioning brain and believe like that. Well, Jesus didn't have a Cadillac. Very good. Well, I didn't realize you knew history so well. <laughs> Let's run through another list of things he didn't have. A MacBook Pro. <laughs> Air conditioning. You're going to think like that and just burn your house down. If you're going to believe like that, then do it. Go live out and sleep on, with your head on a rock sell everything you had but the anti-prosperity preachers actually have more money than the prosperity preachers they'll actually write a best-selling book against prosperity and keep the three million dollars I don't know how you could sleep at night doing that hey I heard you're a millionaire I am where'd you get it writing against how it's not really God's will for us to be rich okay Must smoke some bad religious weed can you say amen Abraham was rich no I take that back Abraham was very rich And Isaac was very rich, Genesis 26, and his wealth continued to grow, Genesis 26, 11 to 12. Jacob also was not struggling. Joseph became prime minister and controlled the food supply and economics of the entire region. And the Jews to this day dominate. 0.2% of the world population make up 48% of Nobel laureate nominees. If you ask people on the street in surveys, people think Jews make up 20% of the world, 10% of the world, they're 0.2%. Because wherever they go, the blessing that's on their father Abraham causes them to dominate. And I flew. I flew from India back to the United States. You fly over that land, it is wasteland. Nothing but rock, Iran, nothing but craggy rock, desert. And then there's this one little spot the size of New Hampshire where they grow watermelon and ship it to all the nations of the world and strawberries. When I was preaching in Europe, all the produce... Produce from Israel, strawberries from Israel, watermelon from Israel, gold, silver, oil, diamond, by the blessing of God. And then you see it with Chick-fil-A. I don't know how people can't see it. How how does somebody explain to me how you can follow the rules of this book? How you can follow this book called Proverbs? If God doesn't want people blessed, Proverbs should be ripped out of every book. Proverbs is a book that says, "Do this, you'll be rich. Do this, you'll be poor." Do this and you and you'll be dead. Do this and you'll live a long time. Talks about avoiding immoral women, talks about hard work, talks about keeping your family together, talks about raising your children in the fear and admonition of the Lord. 31 chapters. That if you do this, wisdom will turn to Proverbs 3. I'll leave you alone in a couple of minutes. Well, not by choice. I, I, I love you. I love you. It's like every place the Lord sent me this year, I wish I could stay. Such great people. Amsterdam, Switzerland, here. God is moving by his spirit. Moving over all the earth. They don't cover it on the news. So people, people watch TV and think like the devil's taking over. I'm telling you, churches are strong. Generation, uh, what's the generation after millennials? Why or Z? Generation Z is 14 times more likely to go to church than my generation. They are the most church, they are the most hungry spiritually generation, according to Pew Research Group. They are the most hungry spiritually, spiritually hungry generation since the boomers after World War II. Do you know why? Because they grew up with parents that did everything the opposite of the Bible. So even the ones that aren't saved you read it, they want to get married. You've read, read the studies, people are having the least sex they've ever had, like teenagers and stuff, because they watched their parents ruin their lives, and they don't want to live like that. They actually want to work less, they, they want to have less money so that they can raise their own kids so their kids don't grow up like they had to grow up. This is, these are not Christians, these are just regular people. That sin became so rampant in my generation and the generation after me that now people don't want it. They saw it kill their parents. And they're looking for another way, and we have the way to point them. And I'm telling you, it is hitting a groundswell right now. Alaska is gonna be shaken by the power of God. Drug sales are gonna dry up. I'm telling you right now, Alaska shall be saved. Alaska shall be shaken. The glory of God shall cover this state like the waters cover the sea. If you believe it, shout, I, I receive it. My child, never forget the things I taught you. Store my commands in your heart. If you do this, you will live many years. You'll live how many years? How many of yeah. I mean, you know we could die at any time? No, speak for yourself. You'll live many years and your life will be satisfying. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Everybody say loyalty. loyalty. You know what that is? When somebody has the faith, like you to come to Alaska. You don't go preach down the street at another church. Loyalty. Oh, We'd like you to come. I have it. Yeah, I'm sure you would. Should have thought of that a couple years ago. Can you say amen? amen? Loyalty. You're not an opportunist. You don't use people for your advantage. Can you say amen? amen. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Let say kindness. There's people that are lousy preachers that have full schedules and make a lot of money. You know why? They're nice. They're kind to the pastor. Imagine that. So, said, hey, I need 24 Evian waters at room temperature in my room. I need a first class ticket. Who are you? Madonna in 1989? Who do you think you are? Go buy it. There's things I like to have. You know what I do? I go take my money and go buy it. That acting like Wayne Newton in 1995. Even he was probably nicer. Listed demands to come preach. That's going to get ripped out of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Freely you've received, freely give. I had somebody ask me at a minister's conference, how much do you charge to preach? I said, I'm not a pro- how much do you charge? I said, I'm not a prostitute, I'm a preacher. <laughs> charge. Well, I'm glad when I preached at that church in Finland, I didn't charge them 20,000 to come preach. I'd have lost 980,000. If you let God set the bar, God will set it higher than you'd ever think to set it. Can you say a living amen? Amen. Never let loyalty and kindness leave you. Tie them around your neck as a reminder. Write them deep within your heart. Then you'll find favor with both God and man. once I started serving the Lord, nobody wants anything to do with me anymore. No, it's not because you're serving the Lord. Something's up. The Bible says God not only will give you favor with him when you fall, he'll give you favor with people. Everybody say favor with people. Yeah, you'll have some enemies. You'd have them if you were a sinner. But God will send you friends. God will send you helpers of destiny. God will send you people to lift up your arms when you're tired. Can you say amen? And you'll earn a good reputation. Trust in the Lord with all, there's those words again. Yes. Everybody say, with all your heart. With do your heart. not depend on your own understanding. Yes. Seek His will in all you do, and He will show you which path to take. Don't be impressed with your own wisdom. Instead, fear the Lord and turn away from evil. Then you will, what will happen? Then you will have healing for your body and strength for your bones. You'll have what for your body? Healing. And what's the, what do you have for your bones? Lift both hands all over this room. Healing and strength will never depart from your life as you serve the Lord. You won't only live a long life, you'll live a long, healthy life. As your days are, so shall your strength be. I don't care if you get AARP. I don't care if you're 60. Bible says you'll be strong, even in old age. Amen. Can you say amen? amen. Everybody say healing. healing. Everybody say strength. strength. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Honor the Lord with your wealth. I don't believe God wants you to be, have wealth. Then what are you supposed to honor him with? Who do you write this verse to? Sinners? If he tells you to honor him with your wealth, what does that constitute you having? Wealth. Honor the, none of you will ever be poor. None of you will ever be broke. None of your children will ever beg for anything. You are blessed of the Lord who made the heavens and the earth. Honor the Lord with your wealth and with the best part of everything you produce. Then he will fill your barns. That means you have to build structures to keep what God's putting into your hand. That's what that means. And then when that structure will get too small, you got to build another. If you were here this morning, I just got a text from my uncle, the prophet that told me about the red sweater and silver hair. He said, the Lord spoke to me, don't get get settled in in that office because it's going to be too small shortly. Well, in a way, that's bad news, but in another way, it's good news, because really, as much as you'd like to settle in, bad news would be me being 60, still having the same size office that I had when I was 38. God is a God of increase. Hallelujah. This church looked like it was a gaping, way too big structure. 30 people when him and her came here. Now it's too small. we got overflow at the top for those of you that can't fit in. And then that building, you'll fill it once, you'll fill it twice, and then you say, well, I should have built bigger. And it'll keep going because God is a God of increase. God is a God of overflow. And God is a God of rapid increase. God is a God of rapid overflow. Hallelujah. He's going to do it for you. That's the God that you serve. He is not trying to take from you, He's trying to build you. Unless the Lord builds the house, God is building something. The, think of that. Unless the Lord, Psalm 127, unless the Lord builds the house. So, you know what that lets you know? God is a builder. You go to some churches, they make you think He's a destroyer. I mean, you know, sometimes God does this to test us and knock us down because, no, God's not looking to destroy me. God's looking to build me. Hallelujah. God doesn't teach by destruction. God teaches by instruction. God doesn't teach by destruction. He teaches by instruction. It's the devil that comes to steal, kill, and destroy. But Jesus came that I might have life. And life more abundant. It's fun to have wealth, and it stinks to be poor. I've been on both ends. When I hear people that like glorify poverty, it makes me angry. Go to India, and there's a kid crying on the floor of a hut because it doesn't have anything to eat, and the mom can't feed it because her breasts don't have any milk because she hasn't had anything to eat. You glorify poverty, you get my blood pressure up. There's nothing good about poverty. You go down to the project houses in Anchorage, it's the same as the project house in Detroit. Violent crime, drugs, poverty is a curse. Boy, if God loves poverty, he must be miserable in heaven. Pave the streets with gold. He must just be sick to his stomach. Why did I use gold? I hate this stuff. If God loves poverty, why didn't he ever give it as a reward to someone that obeyed him? Hey, Abraham, if you do what I tell you to do, I will make you exceedingly poor. It's nice to have wealth. You can help people. I was preaching in Saskatchewan, in rural Saskatchewan. Were you with me? Oh, yeah, that's right. I mean, like, middle of nowhere. And... uh this woman comes up to me in her 60s. Jonathan, can you pray for me? I said, sure. And she wasn't scamming me. She asked for prayer, not money. My grandson just died in prison. I mean, that, that's bad enough. Your grandson just died in his 20s. And then the prison just sent me the bill. She's missing teeth. She hardly has any teeth. The prison sent me the bill. It's $5,200 to bury his body. And she goes like this, and I don't have it. I don't. You know, you can tell. She was a, a, a they call them here like Native Alaskans and Canada's first peoples. It tells you you don't have any any money. So you got to pay. You just found out your grandson died. Now, now hey, your grandson's dead. Also, you owe five thousand. You know, after that, I never felt bad for taking offerings again. The world will charge you for everything. I don't know why the devil, how he succeeded in getting this attitude. All the church talks about is your money. So does Burger King. They've never asked me once how my family's doing. Just 571, please. How come people don't talk to the drive-thru window at Burger King like they talk about church? Don't do that. Try it tonight. I'd like a whopper with cheese and fries and and a large Coke. Okay, pull around. That'll be 571. You know, I've been pulling through here for on and off for 11 years. You've never once taken the time to ask me how I'm doing. You've never given one thing to me. But then you go, you, you go to church, and all of a sudden, they're supposed to operate on It's demonic. So this lady, you know, she tells me that. And you got to remember, I'm like, I just bought an office building cash, and like, I'm pressing, you know, for my own stuff. And I know. It's like I'm almost trying to, like, tune my spirit out because I know what the Lord's going to tell me. And I'm at a church of 60 people. So the thing, whole thing is like a labor of love, everything the opposite of how you'd want to do it business-wise in your mind. And then the Lord, I can't fight it. Pay, pay, for, the, pay for the funeral. And so I said, uh, I can't remember what I said, but I like put her off. I told her like, well, I'll pray. I said, are you coming tomorrow night? She said, I am. And I thought, well, maybe I'm just like high from the anointing and like, then when it wears off, I'll be like, no, nah, I'm not paying. But it never went away. Then the next night she's there. Comes up and says, thanks for praying for me. I said, yeah, I'm, I, 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 I'm going to be honest with you. I didn't pray because the Lord didn't tell me to pray. She seems confused. Oh, I said, uh, I'm going to pay for your grandson's funeral. And she throws her arms around me and cries. You'll never know what this means. I, I know when I'm getting scammed. Trust me, I do. And she wasn't. You'll never know what this means to me. Thank you so much. So I said, I need the name of the funeral home and all that, and, I, and she gives it to me the next night. And I called Patrick, our accountant. And I said, you tell them because I still—you know—I do not feel like paying. But I said, tell the funeral home I'll pay them a thousand a month for the next 5.2 months, and if they don't like that arrangement, they can go try to get it from her, and they're never going to get it. So tell them that's how it, how it's going to go. Right. And so I paid it. And you know, I come back a, a, a couple weeks back. I go to Saskatoon, Saskatchewan, which is three hours and 40 minutes from where that woman lives. That doesn't have any money, and she was in the meetings. Hey, I wanted to come and say, thanks again for what you did. They said that it was all paid for. I'd never had anybody do anything like that. Yeah, now she'll drive four hours to come hear the gospel because money will touch people. Money shows people that you're not full of crap, that you actually care. I I, I couldn't have lived with myself if I didn't sow a a seed into his building. And then act How's the building coming, Brother Daniel? Well, I'll be praying. How how long are you going to pray about a pastor in his building before the Lord says, give? (laughs) Father God, I just ask you to help Pastor Daniel. Shut up and give. Oh, God wouldn't say that. You ever read the book of James? If somebody needs a coat and you have two coats, don't say, God bless you, stay warm. Give them a coat. It'll be the same with buildings. It doesn't get built by magic. It gets built by money. So, so what, hey, either give money and then be, con- and, and the, but don't act concerned. If you're not going to give anything, I'm telling you how the Lord was how I feel. I'm not a hypocrite. I'm a regular crit. <laughs> <laughs> Obviously, you can tell my command of the English language is not great. So then if I wasn't going to give, then I would just not ask about the building and just be like, you know, and he tell me, I don't care about your building. But if I, I'm not going to pretend to care. And that's what I'm telling you. know what serving the Lord with your whole heart is? It's refusing to pretend to care. It's actually caring about souls and people and taking their burden to be your burden. Some grandma Saskatoon, I don't even never met her grandson but I'll lift your burden. And the Lord says, whatever you do for the least of these, you have done it unto. And so what you make happen for others, God makes happen for you. So actually the way to get $400,000 to get an office building is by paying for a lady's funeral because then you lift her burden and then the Lord lifts your burden. So I come I come fresh off of that meeting. Everybody say, honor the Lord with your wealth. your wealth. I come fresh off of that meeting, go to my next meeting. It's in St. Louis. And there's an old, older black lady in the back. She's 80 or 81. And she was standing in the back worshiping the Lord while I'm preaching. And like you could tell she's like into the meeting. And she's wearing a fast food uniform with a name tag. And when I saw it, it it actually grieved my spirit, like from the Lord. And I felt the Lord speak to me. I'm not sure. I don't want to give anybody any money. I want people to give me money. <laughs> and when, the, when I see her back there in that fast food uniform, you know, the same way you get a word of knowledge, somebody has cancer. The Lord says, that lady stood on her feet for eight hours today, and she's my daughter, and I, I'm tired of seeing her have to do that. Help her. Don't help her once. Help her permanently. All right. I said, this lady's standing in the back with your hands lifted with a fast food uniform on. I said, I know you're not supposed to ask, but just out of curiosity, how are you? I'm 81. I said, how long did you work today? Eight hours? And then you're in church. Huh. I said, well, I'm going to do something for you. I said, I'm going to give you $1,000. She grabs her heart. I probably should have like broke it to her gently. Julie, <laughs> oh. I said, and then I'm going to give you $1,000 every month till you go home to be with the Lord. And as it's coming out of my mouth, I, I'm like, No! But it's too late. It came out of my spirit. I said, because and she's like, she's yelling, she's yelling, thank you. And I said, It's not from me. It's from Jesus to let you know that He's gonna take care of you the rest of your life. And then she fell out. It was not under the spirit. She passed out. I almost killed her with generosity. And then, uh, everybody say, it's good to have wealth. Yeah. If a wicked man has wealth, he'll use it to destroy. If a righteous man has wealth, he'll use it to build. So, then this guy that used, uh, used to sing for my grandfather, he just passed away, and he had his own ministry. He's a massive ministry. He's a great guy. He dies at like 84, 82. Adolis drives over to the funeral three hours because I'm on the road. And she, uh, she finds out that that lady from St. Louis that we helped, she passed away in, J- in July went to heaven. Her family was nice enough to call us and tell us, you don't have to send any more. She always loved you and said thank you, and we wanted to call and say thank you. Well, now we got the 1,000. So what do we do? Pocket it? Nah, keep it going. Keep it in circulation. So Adon- Adonis drives over and tells the woman, you know, typical old Assemblies of God couple, work their tail off yeah. preaching and singing and, and you know and they do alright but it's now he's dead you know and, and she's a widow and the Bible tells you to care for widows so Dallas comes to the funeral and tells her hey we and uh, Jonathan love you I know you do thanks for coming and we're going to give you a thousand dollars every month till you go home to be with the Lord no, she freaks out because it helps can you say amen? amen and then you know what inspired that in my spirit is when my grandfather died, a guy that's a prosperity preacher that gets ripped to shreds on the media all the time, he he called my grandma, barely knows her, and told her, I'm gonna send you $1,000 from now to when you go to heaven. And I heard that when I was younger, and I thought, as soon as the Lord prospers me, I'm gonna gonna be like that. I like that. I like not walking around with my hand out. The hand that gives is always on top. And so instead of looking for who's gonna bless you, God said honor me with what wealth you have. So even if you're like the widow and I am going to take an offering that but this is not driving. I'm not going to and there's eight people right now. I'm not doing that. I'm teaching you something before I get on the plane. So even if well, I don't have any wealth, then start with where you're at. The Bible says that the widow in 1st Kings 17. She I got it. You want me to give? You know I'm a single mother. I have enough to cook one more meal and we're going to die. Okay, make some for me first. And the Lord says instead of it being your last meal, the supply of oil and, and meal will not fail for the three and a half years of the famine. So she did as Elijah said, and her and her family continued to eat for many days, First Kings 17, 16. For no matter how much they used, there was always plenty left over, just as the word of the Lord had said through, through Elijah. That's why the devil runs his mouth on CNN and the New York Times and the Washington Post to beware of prosperity. Now again, there's bad people in everything. Well, yeah, but what do you say? This guy preached prosperity, and it it turned out he had three wives and three. Yeah, there's crooked preachers. There's crooked dentists. There's crooked bankers. There's crooked doctors. There's crooked lawyers. There's crooked Department of Transportation officials. I feel like that one's kind of like a word of knowledge. But anyway, because I've been driving in from Palmer all week, it's like irritating me. But you don't stop using roads. You don't stop going to the dentist. You don't stop using lawyers because they are bad people. It's amazing how Pastor Daniel could pastor here in Wasilla for 50 years and bless people his whole life. And the news would never put it on the front page. But all he's got to do to get on the front page is go visit a prostitute and they'd put him right up. Because the devil will show every failure to try to jade people. He can't stop the message. He can only get you to disparage the messenger. But if you don't buy into that lie and see that it's the word, what have I preached tonight? What have I come and said, did I say, you know, I was in my house in Palmer and an angel came and told me that you need to honor the Lord with your wealth. No, it's in the Bible. So if I become a Satanist tomorrow, it's still in the Bible. Can you say amen? Amen. Don't get worried. I never like cutting goats up and stuff. It freaks me out. Everybody say, honor the Lord with your wealth. And with the best part of everything you produce, then he will fill your barns with green and your vats will overflow. Everyone say overflow. Overflow. With good wine. My child, don't reject the Lord's discipline. Don't be upset when he corrects you for the Lord corrects those he loves just as a father corrects a child in whom he delights. Joyful is the man who finds wisdom and the one who gains understanding. For wisdom is more profitable than silver, and her wages are better than gold. Wisdom is more precious than rubies, for nothing you desire can compare with her. She offers you, everybody say, the wisdom of God. God. Offers me. What does it offer you? Long life in her right hand, and what's in the left hand? Riches and honor. You're not one of those health and wealth preachers, are you? Yes! Amen. Long life. Riches and honor. So that you can carry out the work God's called you. I'm telling you, man. Now, I could tell you big stories. We feed a 1,000 kids a day. You know how fun it is? It's just fun to, like, be checking out at Fred Meyer. Now, this would not happen at Fred Meyer's, another grocery store. There's a single mother with, a, with her son, and you get words of knowledge. They have half a sandwich from the deli and a drink, and the son goes to put something on the thing else to eat, not candy. She goes, no, put it back. You can tell they're going to split the sandwich and the drink. In my heart, I don't like that. God didn't create people to live like that. So I take the, the thing that divides our two things and push it over with mine. And she goes, hey, we were going to eat that. Like I was stealing her sandwich. (laughs) I was making you do all the shopping, see? And then I'll just take it at the end. (laughs) (laughs) Then I like retreat back to the frozen foods. Who is that man? I I said, you can still eat it. I'm just paying for it. Why? I said, because I'm a Christian. Then just saying that, no big lecture. I'm a Christian. That's what we do. We're blessed, and we like to help people. Never asked her whether she was a Christian. Just help you. Can you say Amen? amen. Just bless people. Bless them with money when they need money. That lady whose grandson didn't die didn't need a healing. She needed fifty-two hundred. That's why it offers you riches in the one hand, and then Jesus said that healing that he gives you for your bones, strength for your bones and healing for your flesh, he actually will give you such an overflow of it that it's more than enough for you. And actually, when you lay your hands on other sick people, that healing will flow into them. Hmm. So when you see another guy on Newberry Street in Boston that's blind with white film over his eyes, when I was 25 or 26, hallelujah, The same way I feel right now, if you're sensitive, you feel the the Holy Ghost. When you're outside, you're not sent to everybody, but the Lord will send you to some people. Some people need money. Some people have money and need healed. But basically, everything's going to fall into one of those two categories. And I see this guy sitting across the street. His name was Greg. I found out later. Black guy begging in Boston. Dirty coat, the whole thing. Has an empty Dunkin' Donuts cup. So I walk over to him, on a new, the, Lord, the Lord speaks to me. I wasn't talking to anybody. The Lord said, go over and speak to him. Now, the gifts of the Spirit are like headlights on a car. The further you drive, the more you see. I know you don't need headlights here, but other places, there's this thing called night. So uh, he didn't tell me what to say, just like he didn't tell Samuel who was going to be the king of Israel. He said, go to Jesse's house, have him present all his sons before you, and then I'll show you. So that, we see through a glass darkly. That's what mockers do with the gift of the Spirit. If that guy has the word of knowledge, then tell, tell me what I have in my pocket. It's not how it works. I could knock you out and take it out of your pocket and tell you what you have in the pocket. You know, that's how I feel. Anyway. But the Lord's working on me. Amen. <laughs> so, I go over to this guy. And I, the Lord never told me what it So I just squat down next to him, and I said, uh, "I said, how long have you been out, out on the street?" He said, "A long time." I said, "What's the problem?" He said, uh, "No, we got to talk." I said, well, "Why don't Why don't you get like in a program to get off the street?" He said, "I can't read." I said, well, "You know they have literacy programs." And then he looks at me like halfway through, and that's when I saw it. he had like white film over his eyes. He goes, "I'm blind." Oh. And then I know, I knew why the Lord sent me. And I'm telling you back then, this is not that long after the red sweater shoulder hurt lady. I never had any blind people, never had anybody healed of anything notable. So when he shows me his eyes, I go, well, I think I can help you. I said, "Uh, do you know anything about the Bible? Oh, yeah. My mom took me to church when I was little. I said, well, you know Jesus is a healer. Yep. I said, and I get all through it, and, uh. He's the same yesterday, today, and forever. Yep. I said, So when I pray for your eyes, if He healed the blind, then what do you believe He'll do for your eyes? Oh, I don't know, maybe He'll help me a little. You know, so people believe the Bible, but just not for them. They believe God can make people rich, they don't believe God will make them rich. They believe God can heal, but they don't believe God will heal them. Faith makes it personal. Faith is not just believing God's a good God. Faith is believing God will be good to me and my children as I serve him. If he's going to bless anybody, he's going to bless me because I won't be denied. Hallelujah. Go ahead and celebrate it tonight. Celebrate it. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. He'll do it for you. If he'll do it for anybody, he'll do it for you. I said if he'll do it for anybody, he'll do it for you. The God of John Osteen is the God we serve. The God of T.L. Osborne is the God we serve. What he did for them, he'll do for us. Hallelujah. I said, hallelujah. So I said, no, and I go through it again. I said, he didn't help him. He opened the eyes. I'm going through, then I get through. So when I get through, he cuts me off. He goes, he'll heal my eyes. I said, that's right. I said, lift your hands. I'm going to pray. So he's standing up, lifting his hands, and I start praying, and then I put my hands on his eyes. And say, in the name of Jesus, I curse this blindness. I command you to see in Jesus' name. I said, now open your eyes and tell me what you see. He goes, I don't see anything. Well, at least he was honest. I said, close your eyes. Let me try again. Go again. Pray again. Open your eyes. Tell me what you see. Nothing. Okay, close your eyes. I'm going to do it one more time. And I'm thinking, like, what am I doing here? Looking like an idiot. And then, just like I felt a wave a little bit ago, I felt it on the street. And this started bubbling up out of my mouth. For your glory, Lord. Do this for your glory. Do it for your glory. And now I feel tears coming out, like he feels the anointing. And then I start laughing. It's amazing how the Holy Ghost knows it's done before it's done. Hallelujah. You start laughing. Laughing in a lion's den, laughing in prison, laughing in the face of Goliath. Because while they're still standing there mocking you, you know that God has already made a way where there is no way. Predest ababriki tiondo, rebondo ramanda. He's a way maker. He's a blind eye opener. He's a dead razor. He's a deaf ear unstopper. He makes the cripple to walk. He makes the blind to see. Hallelujah. He gives food to the sparrows and he gives more food to his children. He's a good God. He knows how to reverse any irreversible situation. If you call on him, he will answer you and show you great and mighty things that you know not. If you only believe... All things are possible to the one that believes. You can do all things if you'll only believe and not doubt in your heart. Hallelujah. Things are turning around. I see everything turning around for your good. I see everything turning around for your good. I see everything turning around for your good. So anyway, when I when I finished saying for your glory, I took my hands off. And then with that, before I could even ask, I can see. I can see. And he starts reading stuff like, like a seven-year-old that just learned to read. Dunkin' Donuts, Starbucks, Ralph Lauren. Starts reading all the store names. So then I guess his brother-in-law was like half a block down sitting on a milk crate. And when he sees, which I didn't know they were related, you know, it just looked like another beggar. So when he's pointing and reading, the guy, Greg, like, gets up off the thing. <laughs> And, and yells down to him. Uh, or no, his name was Greg. The other guy's name, I think, was James. Hey, Greg! He goes, yeah. He goes, you're not, and then he can't say the word. He said, you're not blinking me. You really can see? Because, you know, I thought maybe he's just scamming this kid and, like, indulging him to pray so he give the money. He said, no, I can see, man. I can see everything. And then his eyes got big and his mouth dropped. Well, now, if you could see me in the spirit, I have on, like, feathers and war paint and, like, a bear jacket. So, so I pointed down the block at him. I went, What about you? Do you know the Lord? He goes, No, man, I got to be honest with you. I'm backslid. Well, you knew he at least, at least knew the Lord because there's certain words that only Christians use, like backslidden. You ever hear anybody say that? They've been to church. I'll tell you another word fellowship. You ever hear anybody use that word? They're a closet Christian because nobody uses the word fellowship. Everywhere else, it's a party. Man, you want to come over and have a party? There'll be fellowship in the recreational center after the service for meet for a time of fellowship during the Super Bowl. Want to come over for some fellowship? Want to go to the Mardi Gras fellowship? <laughs> Hallelujah. So I, I said, I, want, I said, I want you to come over here. He comes over and stands with him. And when he stands with him, Greg goes, I I also am not serving the Lord. Well, you could smell the alcohol in his breath, but that's no problem. Taste and see that the Lord is good, then lead him to the Lord. So I said, both of you lift your hands. And then they both lift their hands. And I said, in the name of Jesus. And when he says, I'm back, the other guy says, I need help. I like to drink. They're like confessing. The anointing makes people confess. And so I start praying. Well, little do I know, but when I turned around, a crowd had formed. Because here's this white kid with two black guys in the inner city, and they've got their hands up, and, and I'm like, it looks like a robbery. Like, who, who is this? This is, should not be happening like this. It's very odd. So there's like people shopping that have stopped to watch this insane person stick up two innocent black people, and, I'm and you, okay, that's not right. You should be nicer to them. This is, I've had enough of this in America. So... I'm going at it, and the power of God's hitting them. And I'm quoting Joel. God will pour out his spirit on you. God's going to use you to, I mean, you know, after you get the blind eyes open, you know, you're going to be an evangelist. You're like, high faith. So I lay hands on both of them. They both slumped to the ground crying. I followed up on them. One time I went to Boston about eight months later and was minding my own business. And a big guy comes across the street, gives me a hug. I can still see it's him. Then I turned around to the women behind me that were shopping. They weren't very interested, but I at least gave it a shot if they wanted to receive the Lord. Prayed with both of them, and he hugged me. And you know what he told me before I left? He said, I want to tell you thanks. Did you know today's my 40th birthday? So he's sitting out there begging on his 40th birthday. I'm sure the thought crossed his mind. Nobody cares whether I live or die, and nobody's throwing a birthday party for a bum. But Jesus knew right where he was at. He said, go over and have a chat with him. I'm going to give him a birthday present that you couldn't buy with a million dollars. I'm going to give him sight. Hallelujah. If you, were, if you knew every politician and had them in your pocket, there's still things they can't do for you. But Jesus will do the impossible for you when you call on his name. And the last thing I'll tell you is this. When I went to Dillsburg, Pennsylvania and I was 30 and we had our breakthrough meeting, I'd never had more than $9,600 come in in a week, and we had $42,000 come in. You know, and I had no employees, no office. I mean, it was, like, like amazing. So when you've never had $2,000 in the bank, and now you have, four, you know, $42,000, you might as well have $42 million. I was like, I didn't know what to do with it. Didn't know what you should invest in. I, it actually was, like, weighing me down because I didn't know the stuff I'm preaching to you now. So I'm taking the garbage out in Virginia Beach where we live thinking, like, man, I wonder if the Lord gave me all this money because something's like going to go bad down the road and I should save it. And then I felt the Lord check me as I'm carrying the trash down to the dumpster. Why would you think that this is going to be a one-time thing? Why don't you begin to lift your hands and thank me that this will be the beginning of of a new season where this begins to roll like this from now on? And so I did. I put the trash in the dumpster. And on my way back, I started to thank God. Thank you, Father, that this will be the smallest thing you ever do. That it'll keep going from here and from 30 to 38, these last eight years, it's been a wonderland. And so I came to tell you as the last words I'll tell you before I get on the plane, whatever God's done for you these two weeks, it's not going to be a blip on the radar and then back to life as normal. It's going to roll in like the waves of the ocean, waves of healing, waves of prosperity, waves of favor waves of open doors, waves of everything that word promises you. You will not struggle. You will not beg for bread. You will not die early. You will not suffer sickness and disease. You will enjoy the blessings of the most high God, both you and your seed. For the curse is to the fourth generation, But the blessing is to a thousand generations. Every negative thing that you knew growing up, your children will never know those things. Because today their mommy and daddy, even if it's their future mommy and daddy, because you're 16 or 18, their mommy and daddy has destroyed the things of the curse by the blood of Jesus and has received the blessings of Abraham. And they're not going to know one bad day They're gonna know the joy of having a Holy Ghost father and a Holy Ghost mother that know how to keep their house in covenant with God. You don't ask your children if they feel like going to church anymore, and you ask them, Do you feel like brushing your teeth? You train your children to serve the Lord, train them, train their speech. We don't talk like that. I don't mean curse words. I mean, we don't complain. We don't say nobody likes me. We say God is for us. Who can be against us? My tomorrow's gonna be all right. Lift both hands one final time in your seat. Everything that represents the curse that is still attempting to cling to your family name, it falls off for good tonight in the name of Jesus Christ. And the blessings of Abraham begin to roll in like the waves of the sea. This year will not resemble other years. I tell every one of you in the sound of my voice, these next six months will be a wonder half year. It will not be a repeat of 2018. It's going to be where it's like, this is too good to be true. Surely, goodness and mercy shall follow you. How many days? Yeah. So if it doesn't fall into either of those two categories, number one, it's not allowed to be in your life. Number two, goodness and mercy will pursue you every day of your life. When you wake up in the morning, I want you to say what Oral Roberts said is the hallmark of his ministry. That it ticked every devil off in the media back then. So might as well say it more. Lift both hands to the Lord. Say, Father. Father, then let's talk West African. Say, my Father and my God. My Father and my God. Every day. Every day from, now from now through Christmas. I expect a miracle. When my feet hit the floor, a miracle must come my way. A miracle must come my way. And before sundown, Another miracle, Another miracle must follow. Goodness and mercy, Goodness and mercy. will find their, we'll find their way to my door every day of my life. Of my life. Now, with your hands, let's begin to thank the Lord. Thank you. Lift your hands and thank Him out of your mouth. Going higher. Going higher. Going higher. Going higher. Going higher. Thank him for 30 more seconds out of your mouth. Open up your mouth and begin to thank him. Your last name is going to get a new definition. Your last name gets a new definition. Your children are going to know what it's like to operate in the blessing and not the curse. Every hand lifted. None of your children will ever go to jail in Jesus' name. You will never bury another child in Jesus' name. Your amen was weak. You will never bury another child in Jesus' name. Nobody dies early. With long life will I satisfy you. Receive long life. Receive divine health. Receive divine strength. Hallelujah. You'll never be the same. You'll never be the same from tonight. It only takes one night in the presence of God to turn everything around. It's over. The battle's over. And then if you're single, don't marry an idiot. If you're already engaged to one, break it off. Life gets very easy when you marry the right person. And very difficult when you marry a moron. <laughs> if you're not sure if it's a moron, send me a picture and I'll help you. <laughs> Every hand lifted. Remondora e costobro negandiamo rondo July will be the greatest month you've ever had. And then August will top July. And then September will blow August out of the water. And then October will beat September. And then I tell you this. When November comes around, you mark my words. You will sit at your table at Thanksgiving, and when you go to say the prayer over that meal, there won't be a dry eye in this place because Thanksgiving will take a new meaning. You will have so much to be thankful for. I just see Alaskan families holding hands at the table and saying from their heart... You know, like, well, let's say the grace over the meal, but then when you get ready to say it, Father, you've been so good. Look at all you've done. There will be people in this room that you're going to have your Thanksgiving dinner in a different house than the one you live in right now. It'll happen that quick. And then Christmas, you'll sing a new song. This is a bad time to be a sinner and a great time to serve the Lord. We used to sing a song growing up in church. It's a great thing to serve the Lord. It's a great thing to serve the Lord. It's a great thing to serve the Lord. Walking in the light of his word. I think Christianity is too simple for people. They wish... They wish you had to, like, climb on your knees on steps in Spain till they were bloody or whip your back or go to the wailing wall and touch it three times. Obey the word. Obey the whole thing. Yeah, who could obey all those things? Basically two things. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and love your neighbor as yourself. This fulfills all that's written in the law and the prophets. If you love God, nobody has to argue with you about tithing and offering. You'll actually give offering when they don't receive one. I go to my church and pray when I'm home. I lay offering on the altar. I'm the only one there. They gave me the little app code that unlocks the side door by Wi-Fi or whatever. No one's even in the building. I leave an offering. Because I, if I spend time with God, I bring him something. That's what he said to do. So I don't care what they do in America. I've seen how Americans live. I don't much desire that. I saw how Abraham lives. I like that. you will do what he did. Abraham wasn't in a church service to give his tithe. Nobody had to give him a 30-minute offering message. He went, he went looking to give. Can you say amen? amen? Hide this in your heart. Now, how many Sundays are left? Roughly 27. You should be 27 for 27. See how it gets quiet now? Everybody likes all the parts about what God's going to do for you, but then when it comes to your part, that's when it gets quiet. If you learn to celebrate your part the same way you celebrate God's part, life gets super easy, super quick. Can you say amen? Amen. Be in the house of God. Honor him with your best. Not tonight. Although do it tonight. I'll appreciate it. But if you make it a lifestyle, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. Now, no, is it Sunday already? Huh. I want to go to the 9, the 11, or the 1? Well, you're supposed to meet Bonnie for brunch at 1. And Sunday, give it to God, give the best. You know, so what's the first day of the week, Monday or Sunday? So you take the first hours of the first day, present the first part of the best that you got, and then the next week is blessed. Then you come back and do it, and you get, I'm telling you, it's too easy. Then no one has to keep you in prayer. You are taking the action that provokes the blessing. Lift your hands one final time. Be blessed in the name of Jesus Christ in every facet of your life. In Jesus' name. Every head bowed, every eye closed. If you're here tonight and you've never given your life to Jesus Christ, that's where everything starts. You must be born again. To have Abraham's blessing, those that are the seed of Abraham are those who have put their faith in Christ Jesus. Galatians chapter 3, four different times. The true seed of Abraham are those who put their faith in Jesus Christ. If you've never made a public commitment that Jesus, you are my God, I serve you. The same way that Muslim jihadist group in Somalia forces conversions to Islam, but it's forced. But they make people make the statement, or they You know, you make a commitment, a covenant with God. There has to be a time. God doesn't have live in marriages. Well, we ain't just been together a long time, so we consider ourselves married. That ain't it. There needs to be a time where you stand and come into covenant with God. And if you've never done that, then July, uh, June 14th, is it 14th today? June 14th, 2019, for the rest of your life will be the day you can say, that is the day I kissed the devil goodbye. I'm not with you anymore, and I came over to the winning side. I accepted Jesus into my heart, and oh, what a glorious change it's been. If you've never done that or you once did it and fell away, and you say, Jonathan, before you leave, I want to settle my account with God, and I'm doing it tonight. I want you to put your hand up high and wave it at me, and we'll pray. I see your hands. I see your hands. Anybody else? I see you a, a lot. That's good. Awesome. Very quickly, everybody that lifted a hand and meant business with God, quickly step out of your seat and join me at the front. We're going to pray right now. Come quickly. Amen. Come right to the front. Praise the Lord. Keep clapping. Awesome. 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 Too awesome! Wow, the dam just broke!
0: Hey, come on. Thank you, Jesus!
2: Good to see you up close. Lift both hands to the Lord. Close both eyes and say this prayer from the bottom of your heart. Say this out loud. Heavenly Father, Father, I've come forward tonight to give you my life. life. Forgive me of all my sins. sins. Wash me in your blood. blood. I believe in my heart. heart. You raised Jesus from the dead. dead. I confess with my mouth. mouth. Jesus Jesus Christ is King of kings. Lord of Lords, Lords, and my Savior. Savior. Come into my heart, Lord Jesus. Jesus. Fill me with your power. power. Where I was weak, weak. make me very strong. strong. In Jesus' name. name. Now declare this, I am saved. I am am a Christian. Christian. God is my Father. Father. I've I've been cleansed from the inside out. I'm forgiven. I'm on my way to heaven. heaven. I'll never turn back. back. In Jesus' name. name. Amen. Amen. Keep your hands lifted. Let me bless you. Be blessed in Jesus' name. The same grace God gave you to step out of your seat and come forward and not care what anyone thinks, may that grace multiply from today that you'll never take a backward step. You'll never know a better last week, last month, or last year. And God will be your help. And anybody from your past life that would try to cause you problems, they will go missing as you serve the Lord. In Jesus' name. In Jesus' mighty name. Well, welcome to the family of God. Your sins are all forgiven. Stay right here. I'm going to give you something to do. Now, you're saved, but you've got to continue on the path, which you can't do by yourself. God is a family God. Before sin came, he made the family. You're not meant to live Christianity by yourself. Church is family. And then the Bible says, in that day, I will give you shepherds who will watch, shepherds after my own heart, who will watch over your souls. That's what a pastor is. And he's a great one. I'm not saying that because I'm here. I'm here because he's a, a great pastor. So don't go looking for a church. If you have a church you normally attend that your mom likes going to and stuff, you know, just let your mom know that you changed churches and that you're a grown man now and going somewhere else. Because it, it, takes, it takes the anointing to sustain you. So you can't go, you can't get the Lord, have the Lord do what he did today where he got a hold of you and then go someplace where it's light, like diet church church zero you need the real thing you need to have an encounter with the holy ghost every sunday and then that'll keep you strong so i'm i'm leaving you know but i i, I don't get like commission if you go to church i i want to see you in heaven i want to like we all meet back up in heaven and high five and we all made it not like what happened to the one guy oh yeah you know make it Amen? Amen. Give your new brothers and sisters a big hand clap as they go back to their seat. You're going to return to your seats. God bless you. You're born again. Praise the Lord. In a special set of meetings like this, and I'm sure some people have already done it, but it's good to leave the meeting and know that you sowed what was required of you to then reap the residual blessing the rest of the way. So they're going to receive an offering in just a couple of minutes and just ask the Lord what he'd have you to give, but lay your best on the altar. And if you haven't already laid your best on the altar, then tonight's it as far as these meetings go. And what you give is going to go all over the world, be holding meetings. Massachusetts needs revival, you know? And it's in revival. See, the one thing that drugs has kind of like helped the church in reverse is when people are like against God, but then they get on heroin and they need help, suddenly they're not so against God anymore. And so even in states like Massachusetts, where it's like not Christian, low church attendance, but then a drug problem came in, now, people are open to the gospel because they need help. You've been in and out of the methadone clinic eight times. You know that's not going to get it done. And so if you can get people delivered, they get saved. And that's how that church blew up. So anyway, you are you know, and then Monday through Friday, if you get Dish Network or TV, Alaskan time, 7.30 a.m. till 8 a.m., I'm on every day. And if I'm not on, either my wife or, or Kofi will be on. So we reached 34 million homes Monday to Friday, we do live revival meetings, we do crusades, and then, uh, you know, podcasts. Adonis's podcast is like, in, it's in the top 100 in some nations, not Christian, total. In Barbados, she's ahead of TED Talks. It's like crazy, like the world's been crying out for a mouthy Puerto Rican to preach the gospel. So, you sow it into that soil, and it goes and reaches the world. Think of it like this. The little boy took his five loaves and two fish that he could eat himself, gave it to Jesus to bless the multitude, and then 12 baskets came back to him. That's, how, that's a type and a shadow of, of how an offering works. You take what you could eat, you give it to push the gospel forward, and then instead of one bag lunch, you get too many bag lunches. That's how it works. So we don't set amounts to give, but you should give something that is where you can say, Lord, this is me honoring you with my wealth. This is not a tip. I'm not going to pay the world and tip you. I'm going to give my best to you. And then watch the blessings flow, and the Lord, the Lord will bless you. And anyway, we thank you for it. I don't count the offerings or know who gave what, so I'll just say a general thank you. And um, I guess the last thing I'll tell you is my YouTube channel is Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and we do those broadcasts. If you don't get the TV, they're all there. If you've enjoyed the preaching, we have it all cataloged. You know, I got some stuff on my table, but really, you could just watch it all for free on YouTube, just giving you a heads up, you know, so you don't have to pay money for the product, amen? It's all there, and then you can uh, make use of it, and then we do more live broadcasts every Monday to Friday, and then Saturday, we talk about the political realm from a scriptural perspective, so the YouTube channel's Jonathan Shuttlesworth, and if you don't know how to get on YouTube and all that, ask your five-year-old grandchild, and they'll help you out, amen. If only that was a joke, right? I'm going to welcome Pastor Daniel to give you a proper benediction. You will have somebody in the lower 48 praying for you often. I love you with all my heart. You're going to have the greatest year you've ever had in Jesus' name.
1: Come on, put your hands together one more time. Shout to God with a voice of triumph. Come on, God's done amazing things this week. We love you. We love you so much. You may be seated in the presence of the Lord. Ushers, would you help us, please? Let's go ahead and uh, prepare our offerings. men. What a fine young man. Real man of God. So blessed by his ministry. One week from today we will have Perry Stone, if you don't know who that is, uh, you will know shortly thereafter. All right, praise the Lord. Uh, If you don't come early, you won't get a seat. There's whole churches coming. Maybe you never heard of them powerful preacher of the gospel and, but revival will continue there's a prayer meeting tomorrow morning and it's what's called the gate in the well men's meeting women's meeting here and uh, Father's Day on Sunday amen 9, 11, one, 6 p.m. you don't want to miss that and um, next week Jay, did you lose your? Uh, did you lose your preacher? Oh, hey Jay, we love you, man. Look at that. The assistant came back in and said goodbye. That is so sweet. We love you. You're awesome. Great man of God yourself. Ushers, would you come? Four different ways to give. I'm sure they probably had that already up on the screen, but just in case to remind you, in the entirety of this offering goes towards our guest. I already invited them back for next year, so. Sure, let's do the. Let's do the symmetrical bucket placement. Let's pray. Hold your offering up to the Lord. Let's pray. Pastor Kirsten, would you?
2: Let's get it centered. Come on, let's pray. Take your gift, Lord. We just thank you, Lord, for the servant of the Lord. These last two weeks that has brought refreshing and hope and faith in your power being released. Lord, we deposit this into your kingdom today. May there be tremendous fruitfulness come forth from it. I pray for blessing and prosperity to come forth from it. We thank you, God, for the privilege of getting to be participants in your kingdom. In Jesus' name, amen. Hey, bring your gift. Come on, come on. Let's worship
1: the Lord with our giving.
0: Would you stand with us?
1: you've done for these two weeks of meetings we declare your kingdoms at hand we receive everything that's been released and imparted into our lives into this region seal it up with the blood of Jesus and a great thank you now God bless your people cause your face to shine upon us lift up your countenance towards us be gracious to us keep us peace. Jesus' name. Amen.
0: Thank you for joining today's podcast. If
2: God is impacting your life through this ministry, you can partner with us and give at kcalaska.com. Also, don't forget to subscribe to our channel and enjoy more messages like this one.